Yeah. Ready to go. You're all set up. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you doing? I'm doing really well. Yeah. Um, yeah, life is life is really, really good and really, really bad. So ah. <laughs> doesn't doing, that just sound stereotypical? No, but it is. Like it's like my life is going really, really well, but then my mother's dying. So there's uh, yeah. yeah, so it's all that. But uh, like it, it's going good. It's going good. I have to say, life is going good, to be honest with you. I'm off I'm to, to, to fucking sweets again. So I give them up again. So I thought you were already off them last time we spoke, and then you did a relapse. Yeah, yeah. The mother got sick, and you know when you know when life hits you, like give me a drink, give me drugs. In my case, give me sweets. Give you your comfort. Yeah, so I'm off them a week again. So happy days. Um, but anyway, congratulations. Yeah, how is all with you? Ah, it's good. Insanely busy, but good. I took a. I've kind of taken a, a reset period on recording and I've decided that that will be kind of a, a soft end to what I'm going to call season one of this podcast. And then I'm going to hop into season two um, starting in two weeks, but it was definitely a needed break. I realized that I just kind of oversaturated myself with everything going on. And again, we had spoken about my mom and how she was sick and she was having a bunch of complications and then from that, uh, both her and her husband have been off work. So trying to help him find work, I had gotten into a, not a bad people pleasing moment, but my let's try and help and like fix everyone, um, pretty common, uh, pattern of behaviors. And then I just realized that things had gotten like, they had just blown up and I had to just step back a little and remember how to reassert some boundaries, even if I was trying to be extremely well-intentioned and people weren't trying to yeah necessarily take advantage of that part of my personality but the fact that like I recognized it and then I was like mom Tom like I get that you guys need help and that you're not the best with computers and that's how everything is right now right for like applying for jobs is everything is through zoom or submitted this way so it would turn into like these intense like urgent requests from them which meant that I felt that I urgently had to be there and I started recognizing that pull and it was a, a sit down with them and try and talk to them about like that pattern of behavior or um, when I wasn't, when I was focused on them instead of focusing on myself, you know, not getting to the gym, that like all those other kind of things, which were already hard with how things were in Ontario. I was like, we're going to sit down. We're going to, I'm going to explain to you kind of how thought patterns in my head can go. And I think, I think I did this after you and I started talking yeah. because my mom at one point was just like, just don't think about it. And I was like, okay, mom, we're going to, we're, yeah. I'm like in the bless your heart. Like, I know you're trying to be helpful here, but I actually got to the point that I said, can I sit down and talk to you about my thought patterns and where they go? I was like, because I've recently learned that that is not how that goes for everyone else. And that's still like a very interesting um, lesson for me to have. And it, it was interesting for her too, to kind of sit down and explain kind of how thought patterns can go from here and somehow end up over here to like a very like low or dark or distrusting place. And then like what I need to do to get myself out of there, to get back to kind of level. And then also explain to her how quick that can truly happen, but like the number of thoughts that can happen in that place. So yeah, just need to reset. Just need to reset. <laughs> and sometimes you just need a little bit of a break from from people to actually get yourself back on track. I took I took about five weeks. I didn't talk to my siblings. 
You know, I literally only tomorrow, I think, is officially the day I'm going to start talking to them again and stuff like that. And yeah, sometimes you just need to pull it all back and go this, 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 this. And this is where I'm going to go with this. And if this happens. Something that I've, I have learned um, through therapy and just sitting and like reflecting with myself is that when I do do that, I do need to either apologize or give an explanation as uh, something that I've realized that I've done in the past is that I've just done that and then randomly kind of reappeared like, like a ghost or whatever, and not said what's happened because I didn't know how to explain that to people. Um, and it would hurt people around me and that had impacted my relationship. So that is something that I've started re-implementing is just saying, I know I did this. It's unfair for me to come back and pretend like there's nothing going on, but for my own, whatever reasons, including mental health reasons, protecting myself, re-leveling, um, I have started implementing that. And that was a very important thing for me to learn personally. Is that something that you do when you have those like take it back times or how do you, um, approach re-entering people's lives when that happens? Well, that's the first time I've never not spoke to my family ever. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, I've never not spoke to my family. I love the way you have a glass and I still have my milk carton. Um, Last time it was like a, a wine bottle of kombucha. Yeah, I also think it's, it's so carton. awesome. Um, so here in Ontario, we generally don't have cartons of milk like that. Like we don't have jugs. We can either have like a large molasses bottle or our milk comes in bags. In a bag. Okay. In a bag. Yeah. Oh. In a plastic bag that you then put into a pitcher. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. yeah, I don't know. It's weird. <laughs> I get me. It's head weird. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, <clears throat> but no, I never, I never, I've never not spoken to my siblings or in my life. And so when I actually took a break, it was the first time that it happened, but I'm really glad I did because I took about five weeks where we weren't interacting in a sense of, unless I called up to mommy's house and they were there and I wasn't arguing or fighting with any of them, but at the same token, I needed that break to kind of reschedule how I'm going to approach mommy's illness and because <clears throat> we're all very strongly opinionated people. Mm -hmm. I needed to reapproach that to see where I'm going to stand with mommy's illness and where I want to be. And um, yeah, I'm quite, I'm quite good in a sense of what I done was I actually hashed out every possible scenario with my siblings. Mm hmm. And what I came to the conclusion was I'm prepared to let every one of them go. So now I can every one of the scenarios or every one of the siblings, every one of the siblings. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm prepared because at the end of the day, I need to do what I need to do with ma'am. And if you, do you know the way we keep getting opinions from people? I don't know if you mm -hmm. get all your this. Oh, all the stinking all time. This, all your dash, all your this, all your that. So I just went away and I thought about this and I went, yeah, I'm going to still be me. Like, this is it. This is what you're getting. And that's what I'm going to stick true to as myself in a sense of, you know, and I was talking to one of my siblings today and they were like, you know, Sean, you're a bit like, if something goes off, you're a bit heavy. Now, as I always say, 
I'm an extremely violent person, right? Um, and I've no problem with that because I control that really well. But if somebody's bullshitting or acting the bollocks, I'll yeah. just I'll just open the door of that kennel and let them out. And you see, this is what people hate is that because I'm way too much at that stage. And I was chatting to one of my siblings today and they were like, you know, like you can be a bit too much at times. I said, yeah, I've thought about that and I'm staying the same. It's interesting that you say that because I have, um, I can't remember when I started accepting this, but that's something that I recognize about myself. Mm. Um, and I think it's something that comes with the diagnosis, to be honest. Like I know you've, uh, you've chat with Rose Skeeters and she often yeah. talks about like hyperbolic temperaments. And, and I think it's true. And I think it's because of that, uh, stereotypical, like all or nothing, or that, like, um, the emotional third degree burn, that's a really good yeah. way of explaining kind of what we can experience. Um, but I've gotten to the point that I get less into like the bigness of my sadness, if that makes sense, hmm. but I'm still very big in my happiness, which is nice. something that I honestly love. And I don't want to give that up. Like, I love that I can very quickly just get like very excited. And I was watching, um, the newest Spider-Man movie oh, with yeah. a, a friend last night. Um, and I love Willem Dafoe. Hmm. And I didn't realize that they had brought him back as the green goblin in this movie. Like I, for whatever reason, I didn't know what was happening. And I heard the laugh and mm. out of nowhere, like I am sitting up, like shaking, like yeah. so excited about yeah. it. Like, because I can just get very excited about things. And I think yeah. that that's something that we can all go through. Um, same with the new Disney movie, Turning Red. What? Uh, there's a new Disney movie that came out. It's called Turning Red. Your, your kids actually might love this. So it's about a little girl from Canada, love it, from Toronto. Um, and when she hits like the age of maturity, so probably like puberty age, about 13, there's this family curse that the women in the family can turn into red pandas when they get like very excited or very emotional. So I love red pandas too. They're my favorite. I lose my mind. Red pandas. I'll send you a picture after. Like they are absolutely adorable. Think, do you guys have raccoons in Ireland? Oh, okay. None of this is going to make any sense to you then. Um, But for anyone listening who's from North America um, in this movie, when this little girl gets like excited or angry or anything, she like bursts into this red furry panda thing. And I have, again, tried, it's a good way for me to explain to people in my life. Like this is what I, this, this here, like if you could put a representation to like what triggers me or like what happens, like it's just kind of, I get excited or emotional or something. Then like, poof, and then we kind of turn into something for like a little bit and then like, I'll get it back together. But it's like right, okay. very quick. And she tries to like calm herself with like self-soothing techniques. And like, it was a cute way to present it. Um, but circling back to it, like yeah. it's very powerful when you determine that you are actually comfortable in, enough in yourself mm-hmm. and your behaviors and like these qualities about yourself that other people might have a hard time with like the bigness and Mm. just being confident enough to own that space because I think that's a very common experience for um people with any kind of um like either BPD or traits is that a lot of the time we feel through whatever we've experienced that we need to like be small 
yeah very small like either emotionally personality wise like for a while I was even physically small like I walked around with like my shoulders hunched but then after I started like doing my therapy and realizing what was going on like we start like commanding more space (laughs) and as we control the darker side and we get but we're still like good on this happy side it's okay to be a lot and I recognize that like I have no issue being too much like if I am too much for you that is fine there are other people that are going to love that about me that like are going to find that like a very endearing part of my personality. And like, those are more my people and that's totally fine. Like yeah. it's unfortunate for you that it may have been family members, like, and especially immediate family members, but like, I guess there's always opportunities for people to come around and to constantly reevaluate and change your relationship. Oh yeah. Like I, what I, I mean, mean, I'm still not arguing with any of them. Yeah. Like I'm not, we're not having arguments or anything like that. In that sense, like, um, and but my argument, my argument is this, as I explained it today to one of my siblings is, um, you know, if you're going to go to the lake and you know, there's a crocodile in it, don't get upset. Mm-hmm. You came to me. I have a threshold where with me, I have a threshold. If you cross my threshold, that's it. It's done. Like, as in you're gone into my space now. Now, to cross that threshold takes quite a lot, as in I'm not reactive <clears throat> for everything. Yeah. So if you cross that threshold, it, it really is you've gone too far. Like you've really pushed beyond the limits. And my argument is, well, that's on you. I mean, I'm not going to be like, because a lot of people, I tell you, a lot of people with me, they're like, but Sean, you're a bit too much. Right. But basically what that means is, well, Sean, you have a nuclear arsenal. And we don't like that because we don't. And my can't argument say those is those words right now, Sean. Can't say that? those words with what's going on in the Ukraine. Can't say that nuclear word. Yeah, it's well, it's it's, a, it's fucking my podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, sure. Look, Putin is fucking, yeah, he's gone a bit mad, isn't he? But you know something? I'll get back to that in a sec, but I, I have a little theory on that. I think I think America are just going to let it all slide. They're going to let the Ukrainians get slaughtered and then everyone will hate Russia and they'll be just like Iran and North Korea and nobody will talk to them. I think America is playing a very clever card um, by not firing anything. But my argument with, with like when I was explaining myself today was, you know, I don't be aggressive. However, I have a threshold if you cross it, then no, I'm, I'm, and even at that, I let the dog out. It's not like I'm going, oh my God, the dog is coming out. I don't know what's going to happen. I actually opened the door in my mind and going, you have to come out here for a few minutes. And then that's it. And then when I'm finished, I go, right, go back in. You're done now. But at any, there's no stage. I'm not in control. But to the outside world, it looks like I'm going to kill you. I have a challenge question for you. Cause you said that like you have thresholds and you have like, tri- mm. which we all do. Like if you're on the BPD spectrum or if you're not, um, yeah. but it, you said this on the other person, do you tell people what those boundaries are? Like, do you give absolutely. people a fair warning? Okay. Okay. Oh, just, just a challenge yeah. here. Just to make oh, sure yeah. that like you, you give some warning or that oh, people no, in your I life mean, understand. Well, yeah. Cause my argument again is I'm, I'm not an animal. I'll explain 
I'll give you yeah. plenty of warning going, if you do this, this, or this, the consequences will be severe. What people hate about me is I tell you, then I do it. But that's firmly yeah. asserting a boundary. So that's not really a problem, but that's why people don't like it. That's why, that's why people getting, don't like it. You're walking down to my lake. I'm, I have a good few signs on the way down going. <laughs> Beware crocodile. Crocodile is here. Don't drink this water. I've given the warnings. <clears throat> it's not my problem. And that's what people don't like. It's people, not people, my siblings. And like, even like my wife, Emma. She knows Sean is Sean. You know, my mother this morning. My mother was like, Sean, you're very odd. I know. Mm -hmm. No, but you are. You're very odd. I know. No, but you're not listening. Like, there's something wrong with you. I know. <laughs> like, what, what, what do I not know? No, but it's just, Sean, like, you take it to a different level. Like, the other day, uh, Mammy was getting her results, and um, my sister really wanted to go. And then it was transpiring that, like, my, my brother-in-law was going. And I just went, yeah, no, he's not. Like, siblings we get mm -hmm. first we get first dibs you know if 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 emma was asked i'd say no she's not simple as she's not a keys it's just that simple so Unless i was like nobody else could go with her you know what i mean or if maybe your mom really really yeah. insisted that for whatever reason she's more comfortable with emma perfect yeah, but i, yeah, I agree and, and but at the same token it didn't transpire as clear cut as that it was a bit not as clear cut but i just went no and that's where I wouldn't back down. I was like, no, it's not happening. No, no, no. I'm, and like, this is where my siblings were like, one of them this morning was like, well, that was mommy's choice. Oh. I said, well, it wasn't really like, at the end of the day, we're her children. Simple as. So, you know, I have to appreciate mommy's state in mind previous to having cancer and her current state of mind is elevated further. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no. Um, and like that type of thing where I'd be like, no, no, because I'm an extremely high moral person. When I say moral, I look at the world extremely. And this is what mommy said to me this morning. Like, Sean, you look at the world too much in black and white. I said, well, I think everyone else should. So who's wrong? Like, I mean, yeah, but there's something seriously wrong with you. I says, Mammy, you do realize my brain is larger than the average person's. Like with the level of trauma I experienced, my amygdala grew larger than the average amygdala. There's no fixing this. This is it. Like, <laughs> that's it. I basically have to keep a lead on it, but it's not going to. There's no cure for what I have because I am me. You can't go to a crocodile and say, for fuck's sake, will you stop doing what you do? It's a crocodile. I'm me. And I says, in what way am I odd? I says, let me explain this to you. I'm a really good husband. And she goes, yeah, you are. I says, I'm a, a really good father. And she goes, you're an excellent father. I says, I don't miss any days off work. No, you're a good hard worker. What then? What, where am I odd in all of this? <laughs> it's just the way you go when, I says, the way I go when people are bullshitting. 
way when I spot bullshit, how I just literally call it out straight away without any concern about how many people are in the room. That thing. Well, you know, you could be a bit more what? If I see bullshit, I'm calling it out. It's just that simple. People don't like it. Don't bullshit. I don't have time for it. I don't have time for bullshit. I don't have time for people who pretend or like to pretend, but deep down they're full of shit. I'm calling that out straight away. And I said to my, my sibling today, known too well to tell the rest, I'm prepared to let all seven of you go. No problem. So now we'll work from there. If at the end of Mammy, when she dies, if we're still friends, great. If we're not, great. It's just that simple. Because I don't need anybody in my life. That's the beauty is I am self-sufficient. I have Emma. I have my three children to look after. I have enough to do for the rest of my fucking life without needing other people. So I'm really okay in that sense. As I said to my sibling this morning, what I love about our relationship is I don't need you. I actually want to have a relationship. Yeah. I, I literally don't need you. I spent five weeks not talking to you. And I could tell you I could do it for a lifetime. No problem. So we'll work off that. That's a powerful position to be in when you literally don't give two fucks. I sometimes think that it's not about not giving two fucks, at least from like my perspective on it. Pardon? I love doing it first. Not unless I'm angry. First of all, you're on an Irish podcast. I'm Canadian. I'm probably going to say sorry about a hundred times. I'm shocked I don't toss some A's out there and wear a toque or ask if I can have some poutine, which is different than poutine. It's a delicious dish. Um, Poutine. Poutine. It's uh, French fries with cheese curds and gravy. Oh, well, poutine is made from potatoes and it's about 50% proof, like a spirit. Oh my God. They have that over there? Puchin, that's what we make, like puchin, yeah. It's illegal, but yeah, puchin. If you got- oh, I'm going to have to f- I'm gonna have to find this and then have your puchin with my poutine. You should have, <sighs> if you drink puchin, right? Puchin is over 50%, like it's totally illegal. You can't, like it's really, really high potent. That's why it's illegal. Yeah. If you drink puchin and then you drink water the next day, you get drunk again. It's that potent. Holy shit. If you put it, do you know what the- what they use in Ireland, if a horse is sick, they'll rub it on it and it actually cures the horse. It's that strong. Okay, yeah. maybe I'm not drinking this. I'm going to back pedal on that. But going back to the swearing thing, no, mm. I, I generally don't, unless I'm very angry. And then I'm a huge fan of the four letter words. Um, yeah, yeah. But for me, I'm very much the same way. And in the past, it would be very similar to you. Like I would have no problem cutting people off, whether it was just that they didn't agree with something that was going on with me if I felt that they were infringing on um a thought pattern that I might have or not validating how things in my mind should work or be morally even or if they just hurt me in some way like immediately cut them off like I didn't talk to my mom in a very healthy way like I had a very distant relationship with her the whole time I was in university after she left my dad um and I was the same way like I don't need anyone. I'm super independent. I don't need anyone. I can do this all on my own. I have no issue working like two full-time jobs while being in university. I can take care of myself. And then I realized that that's not always the healthiest way to be. Like inherently humans are communal 
um, animals. You know what I mean? Yeah. So at, at some point through therapy and just reflecting like, Maggie, you do realize that the way you are right now is that's a trauma response because you couldn't like, for whatever reason, you felt like you can count on people. So you learned how to just go it alone. But the whole, like, I don't need you. I want you thing is also very empowering for me, like relationship dynamic wise, when it comes to um, like intimate relationships, like romantic relationships to like stop codependency from potentially happening after I realized it. So it's like a no, I don't need you. I love my life. I like who I am. Finally, I'm very comfortable and confident in myself. Like, I don't need you. I can open that jar of pickles by myself. I can get my little step stool out and like reach the high things. Yeah, I, can, yeah. I can change, like go get my oil change or put washer fluid in. But like, I would like you to be in my life because hopefully you are bringing something good into my life where you can teach me something like you're we're gonna have a relationship where I learn something from you and I come out of it better in the end but it can either be a good way of thinking or it can be a very negative way of thinking depending where you're going into it with or the reasoning behind it the way I am now is at this stage in my life is I'm so accepting of myself that I'm enough as in if you like me, great. If you don't, great. But I won't be moving. And again, you see, it would be different if I was going around, we'll say, intimidating people mm-hmm. on a weekly basis, yeah. which I don't. It would be different if I was going around roaring and screaming and shouting or every tiny little thing that happened that I was making a big reaction and I was the center of the universe where, oh, God, you can't do anything because Sean will react. I'm generally not that type of person. It's, again, it's, you know, a moral fabric mm-hmm. where I look at it and go, no, that, that's, that's, that's off. That's off. And it is off. I mean, you know, morals are morals. Um, stuff also, like that. Different people can have different morals, but I do think it's very important to stand true to your morals, like your morals, your moral compass and your values and not to end up like being fluid in it. Because if you get too willing to bend, that's where you get back into people pleasing. And that's where like the danger can really happen, um, especially with uh, BPD, because that's when you kind of slowly slip back into not knowing who you are. Oh, no. Yeah. I'm not saying for you. I'm saying in general for people that might be listening. No, no, I'm quite comfortable in my skin. I mean, literally, I lead a really, really happy life. Like myself and Emma are great. Took years for us to be great. And you know something? I even respect that because it took so long for us to actually gel because we're literally like Russia and America. You were trying (laughs) to marry them together. I would say I'm Russia and she was America. Like she's way more advanced in a sense of everything, manners, and I'd be a bit rough around the edges. Um, <laughs> I'd be willing to press the button going, fuck you, boom. <laughs> you know that I were? Emma was more into negotiations. I was more into, I'm going to press this. Fuck it. We're going to start again. And uh, the emotions. Yeah, yeah. So it took quite a long time to gel them two universes together. And you know something? I have to be honest. I completely respect the fact that it took years to do that because we have a fantastic marriage now. Like it's we, healthy we, and it's based off of a proper foundation. 
and you guys have come through some like adversity and you've actually learned a lot about each other yeah and or as the ayah should say we grew into each other you know Um, i think that's beautiful i think that's what marriages and like long-term relationships are supposed to be like yeah you grow into each other and you grow with each other yeah and like if you have to kind of like prune a leaf that might be like a little like brown because something's not working you prune it so that the rest can like grow so you kind of like deal with what's happening and is unhealthy address it and so that like you can still move forward and have like a healthy plant growing if you will exactly and 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 that's what i love about emma as well emma has no problem pruning if i (laughs) walk a line she's in there like a shotgun get on don't do that get on this (laughs) i love that like you don't love it at the time. Nobody loves it. No, we hate it. Oh, nobody loves it when you're getting a scalding. Um, but yeah, I appreciate it. It's like, you know, get yourself back in line there. So, um, yeah, and I do. And the same with her. If, if she's out of line, I'm, she loves the fact that I will prune, is the new word, um, straight in there straight away. But I think that's life. If you can endure that level of a relationship, I think you deserve to have a happy marriage then, you know? Yeah, because you're putting the work in. Mm. Like, relationships aren't happy all the time. And I think that's the problem that we have in this day and age. Like, I know I just talked about how much I love that Disney movie, but, like, there's a lot of damaging stuff that comes out of those Disney movies when it comes to, like, unrealistic relationship expectations. And I was a child that came out when, like, they were all the rage. Like, uh, Little Mermaid, Beauty and the Beast, like there's a lot of disturbing stuff like Stockholm syndrome and beauty and the beast. And it was one of my favorites. Mm-hmm. It is one of my favorites, like Cinderella. Um, what else did we have? That was Pocahontas. So many issues with Pocahontas, even going back to the actual history behind that. But then right. even like the love of the rom-com, like we, we need movies where like couples are having problems and they like sit down and they work it out. And like, let's talk about that instead of like, no, like it'll be great and we can still be polar opposites. And if nothing else happens, we love each other and that's enough. Like, no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nope. Relationships are hard ass work. And if you don't put the work in and if you're not communicating, you're not gonna survive that one. Absolutely. And and if if you do not get that right, it's a nightmare. It's an absolute I always, I always thought that relationship counseling was only something that should be in place like after things got bad. And through therapy, like if I ever go to get enter into a long-term relationship again, heck no. Like I need a partner who's going to be like, yes, I agree that like we will do like once a week, like check-ins with like a moderator, not because things are bad, but to continue to like address things as they go or even, um, would you not do it yourself? Would you not check in? Like I would send Emma a text minimum (laughs) twice a year. Um, how am I doing? When I say twice a year, I mean, like, you know, as I said, Emma will prune it instantly. Like, yeah, there's no weeds going to grow. She'll put a minimum of twice a year. Like, you know, how like how am I doing as a father? I text her there a couple of months ago. Um, You're doing great. There was one little thing she said on it. I can't remember. It was like the tiny little thing. I thought I was going to get a hear ye, hear ye list. (laughs) (laughs) They're going. And I wouldn't mind, but when I sent it, I went, I'll send her a text. Now brace yourself. And um, she goes, you're doing great, blah, blah, blah. I think it was just pay Charlie a little bit more attention. 
because he's always looking for my attention and I would be running from here to dear to dear and go, yeah, 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 that type of thing. That was it. Yeah. Slow it down and show him that you're watching him, I think was, was it at the time. But yeah, I'd like... I think you could check in with yourselves going, how are you getting on? How are you? How, how are we doing? You know, because it does work. Definitely. You know, people just don't do it. People don't like addressing the dirty. People don't like addressing the ugly or the uncomfortable. Like we've just gotten to a point in society where like, we can't even address when something's wrong in like any capacity. So we just keep like, you know, when you're a kid and you don't really want to do like a sweep properly. So you kind of like put it under the sofa or like, <laughs> under the rug you kind of like hide it under the stove yeah <laughs> but then uh, it just no. creates more problems <laughs> no. and like I, I think that's what people do in relationships yeah, a lot of time. Yeah, yeah. it's like you kind of like move the clutter like the ugly to another spot and then you like open a closet like the storage closet where like if people are coming over and your house is a mess and you just hide it to make it look like your house is in perfect order but then you open the closet and you just get pummeled like stuff just falls yeah. down like I think that's what's happened in relationships because we aren't taught how to properly like talk through things or argue I mean well actually to, to go on what you're saying we call it when people are cleaning and they don't do it properly a lick and a promise okay a lick and a promise in other words you only give it a quick lick and you promise to clean it later but that's what we call it but you don't come back to it yeah it's a lick and a promise yeah I like that quick licking a promise you know like um, you only give that a lick and a promise in other words a little wipe and then you promise you'll do it later and you never will um yeah again i i think people don't know how to argue i literally people argue to hurt people yeah. argue to like get that like big shot in there they argue to be right they don't argue to actually work through the problem get to the root of the problem and then be able to work together towards like a mutually agreeable solution and when it gets to the point nowadays that people are arguing they are arguing and they are going for like the jugular you know what i mean it is yeah. they argue to be nasty i had an argument with my sister for about an hour and a half today and the conversation my tone was less than it is now and we didn't agree once but that's and, a proper argument yeah exactly people don't know how to argue like i love having an argument but the argument with me will be this. In other words, well, I, I don't agree with that. It's, that's my tone. In, in an argument, my tone is lower. My tone will be, well, I don't agree with that. And that's how I see it. Well, I see it this way. I know where you're coming from, but I'm going to still remain true to myself. That's me having an argument. Now, you know, if someone comes in and they want to elevate that, um, I'll match you. If you want to go toe to toe, I'll go toe to toe. If you want, and and that's the problem people have is when they want to elevate it further, they hate that I'm able to go right up there with them, and that's what people don't like. It's like I don't have a level. If you want to talk to me in a really low tone for hours and disagree completely, where none of us are agreeing, I will talk to you for hours. I won't try and go for the juggler. I don't try and win it. I'm trying to make my argument. You make. Do you listen to? Yeah, and I was gonna say, do you listen to the others? Because at that point, that's more of like a, like a almost a debate, if that makes sense. Like you're having an open-ended conversation. You're not like yelling and screaming. Oh no, no. And I think that's a really beautiful way of reframing what an argument can mean, because people just think that an argument is like, 
I get angry, you get angry, one of us levels up and then we keep leveling up, you know yeah, what I mean? No, Until like no, things no. just explode, but that's not when argument needs to be like at all. But that's, that's ridiculous. That's just, she might as well just cut out the fucking um, encore and go straight to a fight. Like, yeah. No, I mean, Emma, when Emma's arguing with me, she definitely wins 60% of the time. Because she's more intelligent. It's just that simple. And, and when I lose the argument, I do curse myself for not having the level of intelligence going, will you get yourself more intelligent? No, but to be honest, in our family, best argument wins. Myself or Emma, if, if I say I would like to do something and Emma goes, well, I don't think we should do it this Sunday. And here's why. Um, because this, this, this or this. I go, well, it's just I don't really have much time. And Sunday is the only time. And then Emma comes back. Well, you know, if we do it, we it's going to put a lot of pressure on our family. And I'm mm. not sure if that's a good idea. If I calculate that in my head and I really want to do it on a Sunday or whatever I want to do. I'll go, yeah, OK, fair enough. And I'll back down. That's yeah. it. It's finished. That's like I calculate it. It's, or if I go, do you know something? I know we're going to be under a lot of pressure, but I really, really want this. And I mightn't get to do it for two months. So can we just kind of suffer through it? Then she would go, all right, okay, but you have to take the bulk of the pressure. Yeah, I'm prepared to do that. So we argue in a very much logical way, in a sense of, well, well how good is your, like, and I've, again, I've said this many times in the podcast, but people start crying in the middle of an argument with me. I'm like, what the fuck are you crying for? You're trying to win the argument. What's crying got to do with the situation? Like, why are you crying? Like, I get completely confused going, why do you, what are you crying for? I mean, it's an argument. And um, sometimes it's not about the argument. Some people are just sensitive and that's our response to like when we're feeling overwhelmed and like we're not properly communicating. We can just cry, Sean. Okay. Yeah, yeah, of course. Not everyone's yeah, a rager. What, what, I, what I really figured out is a couple of reasons. Number one is they're overwhelmed. Mm-hmm. Number two, they're losing the argument. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. <laughs> Number three, it's a, it's a manipulation to get you to stop. That's what I figured out over the years. That's one of them. Three. In that case, two and three are basically the same because number one, being overwhelmed hmm. from my perspective, like it's, it's a thing. Like I can be overwhelmed and cry over everything. Like it's just yeah, it is who yeah. I am. And, but, and I, but that's very true. Like how people can respond in arguments. Something hmm. that I thought was interesting that you were saying, that's also in um, one of my favorite books that I have is that in relationships, one of the key things for maintaining any relationship, but especially a marriage or romantic relationship, is that when you argue, you aren't arguing to win. (laughs) That winning the argument is not more important than maintaining the health of the relationship. And I think that's what people lose sight of. People don't recognize that, that people get so ingrained that you have to win an argument when really like, is that more important (laughs) than the health of your relationship is that more important than the respect that you're trying to show your partner for example or the person that you're having this argument with like why can't you just like be willing to accept when you're wrong or when you're losing an argument Mm. and just seeing the person in front of them and again we it goes back to what you said we just we just don't know we don't know how to communicate those things or we so quickly lose lose sight of 
be other people that we're in relationships with. Like we're very, very, not even, I know that like, this is a BPE podcast, but we've gotten very selfish as, uh, as humans. It, it's true. It's all losing us and I. I think we're losing the fucking plot in a sense of um, the older generation. They knew the grit, the struggle, the hardship they had to go through. So you see the fuckers smiling later on in life because they knew all they came through looking at the younger generations who can't manage it. And they're going, look at all we got through. And they're just falling apart. But like to go back even to your argument uh, thing, I like only a few weeks ago, myself and Emma had a, a, a strong discussion, right? Strong discussion. I yeah, like I call that. it a strong discussion. In other words, it was it was beyond. It was leveling up a bit, like like it was. And I leveled them up. It was leveling up beyond the normal one. And um, nearly sure she won again. I'm nearly sure. Um, <laughs> Because I definitely wasn't happy coming away, which meant I didn't win it. Um, <clears throat> but like we had that. And then 10 minutes later, she goes, do you want to watch Grey's Anatomy? And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we'll watch it. So, like, and um, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, that type of thing, there's no problem with, you know? Yeah. Um, if, if we argue and then at the end of the day, we have our argument and I'm kind of going, right, I'm losing it. I don't take it personal. It's an argument. At the end of the day, it's an argument. So basically what I'll do is I'll just have the argument. In this case, I lost. And then Emma, Emma turned around and goes, do you want to watch Grey's Anatomy? Yeah, I do. But you have the argument. You come back to your regular relationship, like your regular behaviors. Yeah, no, I'm going to be honest. Years ago, like four days later, like four days, no, and we're finished and you can fuck off and I hate you and I hate your dog. <laughs> I hate oh. oh yeah. Listen, when you're losing an argument and you're not in your you're not centered. You're not in your uh, wise mind. You're throwing everything, don't you? Kitchen sink and the whole that's years ago, but uh, like nowadays we'd be like rah 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 rah. Uh, do you want to watch Grey's Anatomy? Yeah, okay. And which one of you is getting the snacks? Like, who's getting the popcorn? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, like, yeah. Do you want a cup of tea? Yeah, go on. So simple as. The, the beautiful thing about that is, like, there's no score being kept. Like, in your mind, you're not keeping track of, like, Emma won, Sean zero. Emma four arguments won this week. Sean has won one. So now, next <laughs> one that comes up, like, I need... But that that can be a thing, yeah, like yeah, in people's yeah. in people's minds, is that if, especially, with splitting black and white, all or nothing, like that can really start wearing on people, and it's getting to the point in recognizing who you are as a person and going through those values that you were talking about. Like for you, your relationship with Emma is more valuable. You place more value in more like morally, that's more important to you than being right, and that's like living authentically. Yeah. Like, well, I, uh, I didn't notice years ago. Um, now, yeah, I love an argument. I don't like a heated argument. Mm-hmm. A heated argument, I will win every time. There's no winning with me. That's, what I, that's why I don't like them. If I have a heated argument with you, I'm in the whole way. Like, in other words, there's no limit to what I'll go to. And, yeah. and 
I don't lose them, which I, I don't like having them arguments because they're not fear. I'm going to come out winning. I've never lost them arguments. And, and I, how do you feel coming out of that though, when you get to that point? And like, I'm guessing because um, you've mentioned that you get very angry. So that probably like activates that dog on that you mentioned, like letting the beast mm-hmm. out. And like, how do you feel like if that happens and like, you're like, oh, like, ugh, what, what happens I'm, after I'm that? exhausted. I'm absolutely exhausted because all of my rage is absolutely rearing to go. And if the rage comes out, I have to fight fucking tooth and nail to make sure I'm still within my control parameters to make sure I don't uh, go ballistic where I'm out of control. But at the same token, I'm extremely exhausted by the time I'm finished them arguments where I have nothing left inside me, like because all of my energy has been used to completely overpower the other person. So you recognize that like it's not worth it for you. Because we, we talked before that like yes. you have like a very limited um amount of hours before like you're tired. Mm. Like you know what I mean? So like I'm it sounds like if you have that happen, like your your energy levels that by you would normally have time to get the kids yeah. to bed, maybe like watch Grace Anatomy with Emma. Like if you're to have that kind of argument with someone that that in my opinion, that sounds like you could like lose like two hours of the day. You're like, nope, I no longer have time for what I love and what's important to me. I can like, I can get sick. I can literally get sick and I've got sick a few times from depending on the level I get to where, and I mean, there's a reason I always talk about the crocodiles. It's because they're similar in a sense of you will never see two male crocodiles fighting because they get so worked up. They'll actually die. So, but yet crocodiles are so sensitive as a species, they're so sensitive, they won't fight. Because if they go to male crocodiles, they will literally die. So they generally don't fight. You, a crocodile to a, a wildebeest or anything like that, where it's a surprise attack, that's their nature. But you won't see much of a fight. Like even if there's a, I've seen a York where a man is standing in the lake and crocodiles swimming around him because he's not doing anything that would activate their amygdala where they're going in for this to get the dead roll. I'm somewhat similar in a sense of my cortisol floods so much through my body that I actually end up getting sick. I love that you're bringing this up because it's so much a thing. mm. It is so much a thing. And I don't think it's talked about enough, like the impact that stress and cortisol can have on your life, like Mm. before getting diagnosed and like going through like again, we've talked about this, like I'm on medication, like I'm doing a bunch of different types of therapy. I used to have crippling migraines multiple times a month, like couldn't go into work, couldn't leave bed. I couldn't leave the bathroom because I needed to be able to like, I got that sick and I needed the cold. And then after I got diagnosed and started working through therapy, like I don't get migraines anymore. I maybe get one a year when like the barometric pressure just gets crazy, which it happens here in Canada. I don't have the chronic pain that I had before or the stomach issues. I didn't realize how much my um, emotions being out of control and the amount of stress that was putting on my body. I didn't realize the the chronic problems it was causing and how sick it was making me until I was trying to sit through it and be like, what has changed in the last year and a half? And then I sat there, I was like, holy shit, like, it was getting healthy. It was getting mentally healthy and 
pruning out some relationships. One wasn't my choice, but even Mm -hmm. other ones like pruning out things that were causing me stress. Like it blew my mind. It Mm -hmm. blew my mind. So like you saying that you, you get sick after arguments. I completely believe it. Absolutely. Like I do. And again, the way I am as a person is like, and again, I was chatting to my sister today talking about it. I avoid people like that. I avoid people who literally, um, who literally would bring my emotions to that level. Like they're just a drain. Like I, I, I don't really want to be around people like that. I mean, at the end of the day, I have Emma. I have my children to look after. That's an, that's a really important thing for me. If you fuck about with that circle, you're gone. Like you yeah. interfere with that. You mess with that little circle that I have as a family. There's no questions. You're gone. Like you're just gone. I'm not talking to you um, because I'm responsible for them. And again, when I say responsible for them, I don't want to be arguing. We say me and you, say for example. I don't want to be arguing with you, and you're upsetting me, and and then I'm going home, and the kids talk to me, and like, you shut your fucking mouth. I don't want to be like that. So then, if I'm in a relationship with somebody, and they're causing that level of stress on me, and I'm coming home, and I'm dishing that out to children, you're gone. Like you are literally gone from my life because I I can't be around somebody like that because I want to enjoy my kids and I want to enjoy Emma <clears throat> so no no I I, I I like the way you say prune it's a very polite way I get them to fuck all my life and um, so polite <laughs> I'm Canadian <laughs> I'm Canadian I mean oh, yes. I'm ancestrally we like, have I'm nuclear also, like, warheads I know do you have nuclear warheads I think we do. We would probably just send the Mounties in uh, uh, jokes. Like, no, we, we have nuclear warheads. It's just Canadian. Yeah. Our, our thing is like, we dominate people in hockey, you know, say thank you. We're known as being notoriously polite. I know. I think on your nuclear warheads on the tips of them, it says, sorry, sorry, (laughs) sorry about that. Please stop. That's what it says before we like would ever deploy them. Um, can we just please stop? Can you just scooch a little bit? Like scooch over. Popping by, like, yeah, like notoriously, like we, we call it like Canadian standoffs mm. where we can just we're constantly apologizing or just, oh no, I got this. No, I got this. No, no, I got this. Like, um, I don't know. Um, so we have this thing in Canada, it's like a coffee place called Tim Hortons. And we do this thing through the drive-thru where you, you'll pay for the person's order behind you. And it just starts like this whole like domino effect where like everyone's paying for the person's order behind them because we get this panic of like, oh, they did something nice for me. Now I must return the niceness or we can't sit with it. Like it becomes uncomfortable. So it like turns into this like day long thing of like paying it forward and being nice. Like everyone can use a little bit more Canadian. Like, right. So you're extremely nice as people. Is there much mental health over there? Um, In what way? Are you like how mentally ill as you are you as a nation? Oh, probably completely fucked. You're it what? just sounds like a nation of people. I said fucked. Yeah, there you yes. go. I mean, um, what I'm saying is that could, it's funny. Are we a nation of people pleasers? Possibly. Um, yeah, mental illness in its own way, isn't it? 
Yeah, so we're pretty good at diagnosing things and accepting things like um, anxiety and depression. Those kind of things we're comfortable with. Like we, we will talk about anxiety and depression. When we get into things like schizophrenia, when we get into things like bipolar one or two, BPD, yeah, we're not like, we don't talk about that. <laughs> Again, That's it took me much. 10 years to be diagnosed. Uh, you had that issue as well. Um, we don't really talk about it. Like uh, yeah. even to get a psych, referred to a psychiatrist is a little bit hard. We have this campaign called Bell Let's Talk Day. And it's like where people- oh, Yeah, you've done the podcast. Yeah, so one of our like major mobile phone service providers and TV and internet, it's like five or 15 cents from every text or whatever will go towards mental health initiatives. Like people get like very up on talking about it when it's trending, um, mm-hmm. if you will. So like performative um, interaction, but even in those, it's very much like, oh, I get anxious, I'm depressed, but no one, no, like the big celebrities, like, come on, no one talks about the the hard stuff. So um, what I did like on the podcast was I did like a, and I'm not very open about it. Like I hadn't been up until this point and I had a, like a screw it moment. And it was like, you guys can ask me anything, anything that pertains to ADHD. And this first time I opened up about having BPD on like my private um, social media and networks. I was like, ask me, yeah. I will be a hundred percent honest. How did that because go? We, we need to, it went so well. Everyone was so stinking nice. I thought people were going to be like very stigmatizing about things. And the biggest thing that came out of it, other than realizing that people are way more interested in ADHD and how that affects me, because people still think that ADHD is like the naughty boys um, for getting diagnosed because I was always like a very high achiever academically. Like I'm quirky, which I've now recognized that a lot of my quirks are actually why, like that is me having ADHD. It's hilarious. But the biggest thing that came out of the BPD stuff was that when people hear um, identity personality disorder, they think it's DID. So dissociative identity disorder. (laughs) Yeah. 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 So it's like, no, no, no. Like they're very, very, very different things. Like both deeply rooted in trauma. Yes. Like I think what people confuse is the switching emotions. I was like, no, like I'm constantly me. Like I don't have, I'm like, I have dissociative states, but not to the point that like I dissociate so much that like someone else presents I'm like it's still Maggie like I just forget but like during that time I'm fairly consistent I think in my personality I maybe I'm like a bit more quiet or whatever but I'm like but I don't have all of this happening like I'm very consistent that way um I've gotten to the point that I explain it to people I'll find um, a light switch yeah and I'll be like when it comes to emotions I was like this is bipolar disorder so you turn it on for an extended period of time turn it off for extended period of time for mania and then hypomania it's like for bpd with emotions it's like going like this like up and down and up and down up and down up and down it's like constantly like flickering so like it was good i've had no issues like no negative ramifications or anything like that i still don't talk about the fact that i have the podcast just i like a certain amount of anonymity but people were really like receptive to it and i had a lot of people thank me for actually talking about something other than anxiety and depression and then I just put links up, like, if you're having issues, here are some amazing resources here in Canada that you can talk to. Like, if you are I, yeah, I, struggling or if you're a family member. I listened to your podcast and I'd read over the synopsis. Level of professionalism is unreal. Like, the amount of, of um, material compared to what I would put up. 
I'm, I like the authenticity of yours for me, like something that's very important for me when it comes to my podcast is I go through my analytics and the number of people that I see throughout the world. Like it, it blows my mind. Um, when I look at the analytics, because again, I think I mentioned this, I started this as like a a talk therapy thing for myself, like to just become more comfortable and own my own story. And all of a sudden there's like people from like Iceland or Italy or Sri Lanka or India. And these people call, like they'll call, like I hop on calls with people just to, to have calls with them or like yeah. connect with them. And I answer emails and all of this. And it's just people that don't have access to resources or mm. in like, I'm lucky my job, I can pay for a therapist. Like, and I just found out how inexpensive mine is for how amazing she is. And I never want her to like raise her prices. I hope she never finds out because um, like counseling appointments aren't covered in Canada. My DBT program was, but a lot of people don't have access to the same resources. So thank you for saying professionalism. But for me, it's like, I'm a firm believer that we can start healing ourselves or start managing our symptoms, managing like those really bad ones, that, that negative bit, um, ourselves, if we're willing to do it, like sometimes you need a bit of a nudge, you need a bit of an accountability person. But once I got diagnosed until I could find a stinking therapist that would even work with me, it was, I ordered workbooks and I started doing it myself because I knew what was wrong and I didn't want it anymore. Like I knew I couldn't keep living that way, especially now that I knew what it was. And I'm a firm believer that people can change their lives on their own. So if it's between having a podcast where someone's talking about moving forward in their life and recognizing, like validating you, but then also like you can spend $25 on a workbook. There you go. And that's why I have all the links and everything. Like I'm not a, like at the beginning, I'm not a doctor or psychologist. Like like, that is my disclaimer. Like people like it's lived experience, but here like this is what I use and I hope that there's something like helpful for you like yeah yeah, yeah. hopefully there's something that you can take I, from this I definitely find lived experience is up there oh it's huge. It really it, it is it's why there. it's why I'm aiming for a career change like through my diagnosis and the podcast and connecting with all these people mm-hmm. that it can be a lot like the number of people that message me and will say like your story has like helped me so much. And whether it be someone who has BPD formally diagnosed, they just have traits or I get a lot of family members that say, thank you for helping me like kind of understand, like that is heavy. Like the first couple of times, like it was a lot to hold space for, but it got me to the point that I'm like, this is my calling. So I'm Mm -hmm. actually in the middle of a career change. Like I'm getting to the point that I can apply for a master's of counseling psychology program. because I want my lived experience to be able to go into a professional experience and be that person to say, Hey, like I will be here for you. If you yell at me, I will understand why, like I understand splitting. And I know that that's not something to like, be like, it's not a great thing, but I understand that there's a reason that we're there and I'm not going to just fire you. Yeah. immediately because that happens because that happens so often that's why it's hard at least in Canada for us to find a therapist that'll work with us yeah, yeah. because when people think of BPD they think of like I'm going to scream at you not that I'm that sad little girl on the kitchen floor crying when I get overwhelmed or crying in the like not that I'm beating myself in my head like people think it's all externalizing they don't fully comprehend like the intricacies of personality disorders you know what I mean mm. is it 
it's one of the reasons why I'd never become a therapist. If um, if you screamed at me, I'd kill you. And then <laughs> it'd be like, you run a camera down there, I'm going to fucking kill you. Because um, I can't handle loud noises. Um, I really can't. Yeah, so I, I'd know. But I love it too. I mean, what I, what I love is the podcast is actually my podcast. Um, hmm. My podcast is literally just everything I've been doing for 10 years anyway, and people listen to it. So yeah. when it transpires out of that, I get uncomfortable and bring it back. Like, I love, I love helping people. But I love, what I love is the one-on-one with someone. And I love that one-on-one, having a chat, trying to figure out life, seeing can we do it. I love that. I love that. Like, and like, I'd never become a therapist because I wouldn't be any good at it. The minute... I'd have to be caged in and boxed into therapy because like you can't be yourself. And I'm Irish. We're a bit different over here. <clears throat> we really are. Um, we, like, the ter- like I would talk about like, yeah, <laughs> we're completely different. <laughs> like in Ireland, you get called a bastard. <clears throat> you know what I mean? You know, you're being a bit of a bastard today. Do you know that? I I've not I don't know any other therapist on the planet that you could do that. It's like we're different. Yeah, but if, if everyone over there knows what that means, like contextually, it'd be very different than if you were to be a therapist and come to Canada and someone's being yeah, a particular be kind of way, and you're like you're being a bastard, <laughs> or like you're being a bit of a cunt. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Like yeah, yeah. It, it it it's the context. Like the first time my uh, my best one of my best friends, her stepdad is Scottish. And he, he said, he called me a cow or he called me a cunt. And I'm just sitting here and I'm like, like, no, 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 no. In, in Scottish, that's a term of endearment. And I was like, yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Like just, just give me. Cow, did he? Yeah. Yeah. That's deadly. Yeah. Yeah. No, I yeah. think I had my shoe off at that point. I had my shoe off at that point, like ready to throw it. Scottish and the Irish are similar. The Scottish are a bit more mental, I would say. They're way like because they're higher up and they're closer to the cold, and you're a little bit more madder when you're that high up, um, because you need something, um. But yeah, I mean, I would I'd be chatting to someone and like I'd be saying, look, yeah, you're being a bit of a cunt today now, and that means look, I still like you. You're just being a bit of a dick. Yeah, but just give it up. But I think if I if I call someone a bit of a dick, I find that insulting. If I said to, if someone said to me, just Sean, you're being a bit of a cunt today. I go, okay, I'll stop. If someone said to me, Sean, you're being a bit of a dick, I'd say, watch your fucking mouth. See, but really, like, they're both, like, anatomical, like, parts of the body. One's male, one's female. It's just, it's you know, it's culturally. Yeah, culturally. Like, I wouldn't like to be called, with- yeah, yeah, yeah. I wouldn't like to be called a dick. That's personal. Yeah, but, see, again, but maybe yeah. it's because you're male and I'm female. So, like, if someone drops this, like, no, I so- think it's just Ooh. the Irish. We don't we don't use the word cunt like as everyone else does. So we use it for a term of endearment. Yeah. Ah, go on, you cunt you. Do you feel insulted? <laughs> you don't. It's like no, it's the tone, and like I can see you saying it right now. Like you're like smiling at me. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, you're being it, and that's what I mean. It's like because if I said to you, look, and watch facial and everything else, ah, just Maggie, you're being a bit of a cunt today, now, right? Mm-hmm. But. Maggie, you're being a bit of a dick. I have to, that's stronger, dick. Okay. Dick now today, Maggie. I don't like yeah. it. 
I get insulted. That's fair. You called me a dick. That's I'd fair. Watch your fucking mouth. <laughs> but the rest of the world, uh, yeah, they don't like the word. We love it. We yeah. love it. No, no, but most the of us. The podcast is uh, <clears throat> is interesting and. You had uh, you had sent in your email. Is there anything I want to talk about? And I forgot to send it back to you, but the podcast is like a really good segue. So in our last conversation where I had my nosebleed and all that other joyously, embarrassingly things that occurred. Yeah, yeah. That was, <laughs> no, you guys won't be able to see this if you're listening, but I have like a whole thing yeah, like, paper towel with me just yeah. in case that happens again. Um, so we were talking about my dad and my relationship with my dad. So hmm. I've actually had like a major takeaway from that. And I was reassessing things and um, in my kitchen, going back to Beauty and the Beast, I have an actual like functional teapot of Mrs. Potts and two cups that are chip, like her little like son, grandson, I'm not sure what it is. And I had asked my dad to help me hang up shelves in my new place because I'm a menace with power tools. Don't yeah. give me them. Um, so he came by to help me out and he followed through, like he didn't back off, which is something I famously don't ask my dad for help because yeah. I'm convinced that he's going to say no because of everything so he came by and he started singing a song from beauty and the beast Mm. and i was shocked i was like what like what's going on he's like i used to watch that with you as a kid i was like no you didn't he's like yeah i did i was like no you didn't like you never do that with me he's like no i did and i was like okay interesting because when we were talking i could talk about all these bad things or these negative memories that i have associated with my dad yeah but not not the good ones And then he and I were talking about things like my birthday and he got really sad, that kind of thing. And he's like, you know, you never give me the benefit of the doubt. He's like, you always think about all these bad things, but you never actually sit there. And I was like, fuck, like Sean, Mm. your daughter's name's Abby, right? Uh, Amber. Amber. I was like, I'm being Amber. And I, uh, this might sound completely ridiculous, but that's actually um, something that I do in my head is I have other, not in like a DID way or anything oh, yeah, like that, yeah. but like I have other people's voices in my head that helps me work through thought patterns that I'm having. Yeah. Um, and I'm, I'm sitting here, I'm like, I'm, be- I'm like, I'm being Amber. Like I heard you say, Hmm, I was like, Oh, okay. I am not seeing my dad for the dad that he is. And, um, I'm like, Oh, that's really unfair completely unfair so I've actually started like trying to recall like the good memories and recognizing that like he's human and only has so many hours in the day and that like I'm putting a lot of unrealistic things on him or I'm maybe I've blocked out a lot of good things because there were a lot of bad don't get me wrong but I saw how much it hurt him in that moment arguing about beauty and the beast and that I was trying to argue to pr- validate my own thought patterns that my dad never had time with me or for me instead of being like, no, you know what? He, he probably did. Like I, in that moment, after our conversation, realized how much I was hurting my dad in making these right. assumptions. And it was like, it, it's been very good. Like there's still certain things that I don't ask him because if I need to get something done quickly or with a certain sense of like urgency or deadline, it's just better that I don't, but like actually allowing him to do things. Like I finally talked to him about the podcast that I have. I've soft launched it. He's still not the most validating about BPD. You know what I mean? Like yeah, yeah, hard yeah. to explain that to people, but told him that I have it. And he, he said that he wanted to come by and help me with my mic setup. Cause like you have like a very professional setup that you, I, I think it was your nephew got you set up with. Mine's like a USB mic 
plugged into my computer and my dad's really good with that stuff he's like well why don't we like get you a proper setup going at some point I'll sit with you and like do it and then he offered to like he's really big into music and he's like well what what if I like recorded you some like intro and outro music and I was like realizing that that's his way of being supportive that I want him to be supportive in a different way but he can't do that. And like recognizing that that's his way of supporting what I'm doing to the best of his capabilities, which was like very profound after our last conversation. So I wanted to thank you for that. No, and and I'm glad you brought it up because like Amber loves kicking a ball and I don't, right? But, excuse me. So because I don't kick a ball, everything else is forgotten about mm-hmm. like that's it it's the ball it's outside kicking a ball i don't like the outside and i mean when you look at the world in that sense you only see what you don't have and you miss out and it's so hurtful as a parent because we we do do so much more but when you're only looking for that one thing and that's the one thing we don't do. It's, a, give me a it, it's another way of thinking of all or nothing. And I had never thought to apply it in that sense. Like I never thought to apply all or nothing to um, like what I need from a relationship and <clears throat> failing to see other people for where they are actually able to show up with me in a relationship, like what they can actually bring. I was talking to a... Um, a coaching client that I have, um, through the podcast, like I offer coaching options and a reference of like a a pint versus a teacup (laughs) and how it's very applicable in a lot of ways, whether it be through emotions, love, or needs that if you're a teacup size person, and then you're in a relationship with someone who's a pint size person, this person with the pint, that's a full pint can try and like pour everything in it to a teacup but the teacup can't hold nearly as much as the person who can hold a pint amount of liquid. And that's too much for the teacup person. But then it also frustrates the pint person because we expect them to be able to like take everything. And they're like, Oh my God, I'm quite literally drowning. But then it goes back the other way that someone who's a teacup, if they're giving everything that they possibly have with nothing left to themselves, the person who's a pint still can't feel fulfilled even though this little teacup is doing absolutely everything to try and show the pint that they love them, that they support them, that they care to the point that they have nothing left. You know what I mean? So it was really like working through that, like visualization that again was like crap, like not everyone is a pint Maggie. Like not everyone is that like, you have to figure out what size cup people are to be able to have that healthy relationship. And if I'm a pint and my dad's a teacup, which it wouldn't be that way. It probably, but like size, because he's not that delicate or dainty, you know what I mean? Yeah, but like, yeah. we'll just, we'll leave it there. He'll hate that. Um, but it's recognizing like how much people have or where people can show up and just appreciating what they can give you when they can and being yeah. realistic about it. Absolutely. Like, and you're hitting the nail on the head, what they can give. You know, I'm never going to be outside kicking a ball. Reason being is I hate it. It's a hate. Like Emma goes to the football. You know, I, when she's there, will get lunch ready. Uh, clean the house. You know, 
important things. I know it's kind of reverse, but I'm not one of these male or female should be doing. I, I honestly, I don't prescribe to that. Like I'm, I'm a female that loves going and doing like jujitsu classes. And like, I love American football. It's like NFL. Like we throw the ball. Yeah. Like I love it. I love boxing. Like, yeah, I don't believe in like labels or whatever. Like people just enjoy what you want to enjoy. You know what I mean? That's it. Like, yeah, you, yeah, yeah. You have to, you have to, whatever you can give, you give. But at the same token, it takes time. It takes time. I had a good chat with Amber you know, this week. I actually bought a couple of skateboards and we're gone outside because that's where I will go outside on a skateboard. Um, and I'm okay on a board. So I'm teaching her how to go out on a board and that's my way of going outside. So <clears throat> again, you have to try and learn. And as I said to Amber the other day, I'm not going to get it right. Like, when you look at your parents and you fucking expect them to get it right, they're not. I mean, no, it's so true. None of us come with a manual. The user manual. And then, you know, parents might end up with a child that's not in their world, which is very confusing because you have a child going, I don't know what to do with you. You're nothing like me. I don't know what to do. And, and, and everybody's trying to gel these relationships together. And it's all as what I'm learning as an adult is the child always looks going, well, you're to blame, not realizing, well, were you a difficult fucking child or were you not a difficult child or were you a child that wakes up a lot at night? And I'm not talking about my children when I'm saying this. I'm actually talking about in general. Oh, me. Oh, yeah. I was an extremely difficult child. Like you would not manage me. See, mine wasn't that I was a difficult child to manage. I just, I think because you said that you're attuned to people's bullshit, I'm very much the same, but just attuned to people in general. So I just expect other people to be attuned to me. No, Maggie, no, that's not how the world freaking works. Like, no, 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 just because like I can look at someone's sense when something's off and pretty much pick up on what they need. No, other people aren't like that. Other people need to like be expressly told what you're feeling what you require that like you're even struggling or whatever like yeah. you need to be good with words like other people can't read your mind like they're not professor xavier you know what i mean like you need to be able to verbalize things like you need to be able to communicate like people aren't telepathic absolutely and that's so important because i've learned that over the years years ago i used to want you to pick up on what was wrong with me and then get upset when you didn't which is very much like my daughter like she wants you to pick up. In other words, she she doesn't like talking too much. So she wants you to pick up on it. And I was like that. But now I will verbalize it. I'll say it. I'll tell you if there's a problem. I'll, I'll explain it. I'll use you hurt me. I felt hurt. I'll express myself. Yeah, that's that's uh, parenting 101. But I mean, with you and your dad, what I like about that is the fact is you at least looked at it. You at least looked at like, and as you can clearly see, your dad has a lot of experiences that you didn't even remember, which is crushing. I know. Like it hurt me. Like it hurt me so much seeing how sad he got. Like I can't deal with sad men. Like I turn into a puddle, like man tears, male emotion. Yeah. I, I can't handle it. So when I saw how much it hurt him, I was like, Oh fuck. Like, no, like I, I hurt him very deeply and I, that really bothered me. That bothered me a lot. 
Yeah, and look, but has your relationship improved? Um, so if you were to have asked him before, I don't think he would have said that we had a bad relationship. I think he would have said that like, I'm a little difficult or whatever, but I would have said that we have a bad relationship because I couldn't depend on him. All these other things. He didn't try and understand me. He was like invalidating. But for me, like my relationship towards him on my end, I think has changed completely because I'm seeing him for where he's at, what he can do and not getting angry about it anymore. Also recognizing that there's probably a lot of good things that I just don't remember. Um, But for him, I'm probably less difficult. Yeah, yeah, which is good. And and again, you're hitting something on the nail there. He doesn't understand me. Rather than can he understand you? Yep. You know, like you ask Emma, who is my wife, does she understand BPD? And she's going to go, no. And, and we had talked about this. And this was something that I had. can't remember who I was talking to about this. Maybe my mom, maybe my dad. Um, because the longer that I put myself out there, like through the podcast, through being like having like a small like social media, whatever, I can hop on a call with someone who has BPD. And we, we spoke for almost four hours last time between pre-recording and now. Same with... Um, my friend Adriana, um, she's publishing a book all about her poems that reflect BPD. Um, and then uh, Melanie, so Mind Over Melanie. Mm. I can sit down with someone who has BPD and I can talk to them for hours, mm. hours, having never met them before. There's just, for whatever reason, there's like this um, pull, if that makes sense. It's kind of like an immediate, like, we know. Yeah. Like, two zebras, two zebras in a field full of horses. Huh? Two zebras in a field full of horses. Oh, okay. I was going to say two peas in a pod. We'll go with zebras yep. and horses. Um, <laughs> however, people that their brains aren't wired like mine, I can have a very, very hard time with. Yeah. Very yeah. hard time with whether it's just that they don't understand or they see certain things. Like people don't understand masking. You know what I mean? People don't understand like putting on a facade to appear like super, super high functioning. Like you have it together. That's all people see. And they're like, there's not whatever. Whereas somebody who has the same experience, like it, it's hard to explain to people. Whereas if you meet someone who also like you, you just immediately get it. Like you immediately drive. It's like, finally, another person can understand. And then something else that I realized that I struggle with is I always say like, I wish you could understand, but at the same time, no, I don't want you to struggle with it. Like fundamentally, I don't want you to be where I was before being diagnosed and even working through like the first little bit of like getting to where I'm at now, like I, I want that for no one. So it's very much a double-edged sword. Like I don't want anyone to feel that pain. Like that hurts me so very, very deeply to yeah. even think about it. Like I look at some of the things that my little nieces have been through and some of the behaviors that they're presenting now at six and nine. And I worry and I bring it up to my sister all the time. I'm like, can you please get them <clears throat> into therapy now? There's can a you, question. You- right. So I was just right. So you're after saying it. It depends on the culture, doesn't it? Like they're bringing kids into therapy at an early age now. The reason that I say it for them is, and I'm not going to go into detail, but they've, they've seen some shit, like okay. some shit. Yeah. And it's like, I recognize it 
Mm-hmm. And I'm like, Kelly, I'm not saying that they will, but I don't want them to potentially end up where I got to. And I think it's better in my unprofessional, I'm not a doctor, not a psychologist. No, no, like, yeah, but I mean, these I, are opinions. Yeah, That's I'm like, opinion. I'm like, it, I'm like, just take them to talk to someone. Like my one niece, she's really struggling academic. I'm, I'm more comfortable talking about this. Mm-hmm. She's really struggling academically and keeps calling herself stupid because she has issues with being attentive. So she was diagnosed with having ADHD and she was really struggling with that about not wanting to like go on medication and all this because there's still a lot of stigma there. And she, she keeps calling herself stupid. So you recognize like all of these things. And then um, because of parenting situations, struggling about medication and her dad said like, it's up to her. So like, I went and I talked to her because she thinks if you have ADHD, like you're dumb, you're not a good person, like all those like nasty things. Right. So I went over there and I sat down with her because my sister asked and we had a conversation. I was like, so like, I heard you got diagnosed with ADHD. She's like, yeah, it sucks. I'm stupid. I was like, why do you say that? And she's like, cause that's what my classmates say. I was like, Hey, hun, I have ADHD. And she just looked at me and she's like, really? I was like, yeah. She's like, my dad says I'm going to be a zombie if I take medication. I was like, do you think that? She's like, yeah, like I won't be who I am. And I was like, hey, kiddo, I've been on meds for the last year and a half. Like, am I a zombie? She's like, no, you've still been Aunt Maggie. And I'm like, yeah, hun, like that's not how it works. Like medications come a long way since daddy like was on it in school. I was like, yeah, like I'm fine. She's like, if anything, you're more Aunt Maggie. I was like, yeah, Aunt Maggie's the happiest she's been in a really long time. Like, it just meant that Aunt Maggie had to like do a couple things to cope. Aunt Maggie's learned that she needs to take a few more breaks, <laughs> that like we have to like do like little rewards and incentivization. But like, it's not a bad thing, kiddo. Like, work with it. So instead of having her struggle, and like, again, there's the therapy side, but this is just the ADHD side, like, it's about leaning into it so that she doesn't end up maybe going to post-secondary university where you can't like mask it and whatever, and then hit the struggle then, and then hit your adult years and be like, what the hell is going on? You know what I mean? From the ADHD side. But even if, if you're able to kind of curb things so that they don't end up having all of this trauma compound to the point that they end up potentially having a diagnosis, like if I can try and advocate for them, I'm going to. I think it frustrates How my sister. Uh, the one with ADHD? Yeah. Nine. Nine, right. Okay. Nine. Yeah. It's mad the way, in my opinion, it's mad the way it's all. Like, I was brought to therapy when I was a kid because they couldn't control me, um, not realizing they were the trouble. Um, you know, I find that comical. Yeah. Like, we can't control this child, but sure, you're the problem. If you sort G, I'll be grand. Monkey see, monkey do. Monkey do. Um, and I never really liked it as a child. I, I always felt strange. I shouldn't be here like that type of way. Um, anyway, I didn't stay there. It, it was something that wasn't a, a long-term thing. And I found that I even in, it, it's 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 more prominent now where bring them, bring them and get them assessed and, and, and get them through the system, you know? And I often wonder what is all the opinions on it? Like, as in like, you know, is it, is it something you do? Is it something you don't do? Um, and are we losing the fact that they're just children? 
You know the type of way? Are we losing out on that they are just children? I'm not expecting them to like go through therapy the way I did but I think it's being able to like safely talk about things that I think is important for kids and be heard um Mm. because I don't like for my nieces outside of me I don't necessarily know if they're being heard when things are going on and like they have very complex family dynamics and a lot of kind of parents putting them like putting parents against one another kind of situations and forming like unhealthy relationships that way um so no I'm not saying like toss a kid into a full-blown DDT group but have someone there who can kind of help or at least listen to a kid go through their own thought patterns like yeah yeah I'm like that I, like I know what ours we've three different children three different like literally three different um little personalities oh completely little and you, people yeah you have to adapt to each one like um ah uh, the other day I have to tell this. I think it's hilarious. My son probably won't think this is hilarious when he's listening to it as an adult. Later on, yeah. I will apologize beforehand, but it's too funny not to tell. So they got like the vaccines, the MMR and the yeah. tetanus the other day in, 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 in each arm. And my son, he came down yesterday morning and he was, um, oh, I can't. And he was real sympathetic towards his pain. Yeah. And we are not like that as a family, right? Now, I says, are you okay? Are you okay, son? I can't move my arms. I can't move them up, right? And I says, oh, do you want me to help you? Will I get you dressed? Yeah, yeah. Will you mind? I says, no, just lift up your arms and I'll take off your top. And he lifts up his arms. (laughs) Right? That's so cute. I know. Yeah, he just completely forgot that his arms weren't able to lift. (laughs) That was his way of saying I need a little love right yeah, now. He just needs a little love. I mean, no problem. I, I helped him and I got him dressed and I gave him his hug and everything else he needs. I understand his needs. And there's no problem. Like, it's not like, come on, get your, I'm not like that. But I was thinking about it. And then I have a daughter who's somewhat like me, sees the world in black and white, extremely strong pain threshold. And uh, she must be sore as well because that's his twin. And she got them as well. And I said, Sadie, like, is your arm sore? Yeah, I'll have some breakfast now, please. And I said, no problem. That was it. In other words, my arms are sore, but um, I'd, I'd like my breakfast. Just want to get on with it. Like, uh, he wanted to be feel a little better. He wanted to be airlifted to Crumlin Hospital in Dublin. <laughs> I mean, if I could be airlifted, I'd be airlifted. Yeah, yeah. And I love it. I love, that's the difference. They're very different. You know, they are very different. I think adapt to them. I think when you adapt to your children, like that's my way of looking at it. adapt. As I said, adapt with, I'm not going to get it right. I, I, I'm a firm believer in not getting it all right as a parent. I mean, leave it like a lot of people would say to me, do you worry about fucking up your children? I worry about when I worry about if they end up normal, like I hope to fuck them up. I genuinely, and I, I don't hope to fuck them up where they're absolutely fucked. Like, oh, I can't deal with But I mean, I'm not going to be egotistical to think I'm going to get it right. I love what you just said about like, um, like seeing them as individuals again. So I have a little sister. She's uh, about three years younger than me. And her and I talk about how she had a really hard time as a kid because everyone tried to treat her the way that they would treat me. Because again, I was very easygoing I had no problems with 
like grades in school and she struggled with that. So she would go through life yeah. and everyone would expect her to be Maggie and they wouldn't necessarily adapt to that. So mm. I think it is so like even parent wise mm. um, in some perspectives. So I think it's like very important what you just said, like adapting to what your, what your kids need. Oh, okay. So you can keep talking about that. There's someone at my door. So I, I am listening. Yeah. I just need to go grab that. So I'm so sorry. One second. I, I will talk to the blank screen. No, I definitely do. I, I think as children, if you, I mean, for me, I look at my kids, I see their strengths, I see their weaknesses. I will look at every aspect of each child that I have, and I look at each aspect to think, you're strong in this area, so encourage that. You're strong in this area, but this child, encourage that. The other child, the other child is strong in other areas. And then you look at their weaknesses and see where they're weak at certain things, and and you try and bring them aspects of that child along a bit. Like, as I said, my son there, he's very, he's emotional in a sense of he, he's, he loves softness and stuff like that. And you want to toughen him up a little bit without toughening him up too much. Uh, my, my daughter sees the world in, in um, she's very emotional like me. My eldest daughter is extremely emotional like me. And you want to teach her how to manage her emotions. My other daughter is very black and white like I am. And you want to teach her how to look at the world. And you see, I love black and white. So I want to teach her how to look at the world completely in black and white. Yes, live a full life because I don't see too much wrong with being black and white. I don't see too much wrong with even my eldest daughter if she's huge amounts of emotions. So long as like myself, you actually are the person holding the lead of all of them emotions and you get to choose if you open up the door or not. Again, like that, I, even my son, I'm going to, with my son, um, going through all my, my children, I will teach my son how to argue because he's not a fighter. So I will leave. I, as I said earlier on in the podcast, I'll argue with you all day, disagreeing with you all day. Well, cause but you know what my head is after telling me? I'll argue with you all day. You don't get to argue with him all day when she fucking kills you. <laughs> I love that about my head. It just it just throws a javelin in straight away if I'm talking and, I, and it's wrong. It's like, bang. And I love that. Um, I'll argue with you until either I win or you win. And I'll teach my son how to argue because he's not like me. He won't bring... My son will not elevate. You would crush my son in an argument if it elevated. So I'll he would be the one that ended up probably crying because he's overwhelmed. Oh, because I'll that's just oh. I'll show you what my son does. Nobody's gonna see this. If you're arguing with my son, he goes like this, and he walks out of the room. His eye. For anyone listening, if you've seen the movie Shrek, uh, when Puss in Boots before he like ends up attacking you, and I'm not saying that's what Sean's kid would do. That's it. Where he like gets like the big doe eyes going and just looks and blinks, yeah, and they're like all big. Yeah. That is what Sean's son will do. Yeah, he his eyes lift because he doesn't want the tears to fall out, and he walks away. Um, and I love it. I mean, my son is more of a gentleman at five than I am at forty-four. I remember you saying that. Was it your son who just doesn't yeah. hear that you swear? Yeah, that's it. Yeah, yeah. I love that story. I was telling <laughs> I my mom about that. I thought it was the cutest thing ever. Oh, he, he, if I was stabbing someone, he would say, I was there. That person ran into the knife 27 times. 
It's like no matter what I do, it's perfect in his eyes. I, it's fucking bizarre. No matter what I do. Uh, and that's what I mean with kids. No matter what I do with my eldest, it's wrong. Like he's wrong. She's wrong. With my daughter who sees the world in black and white, she has it down to a T. She doesn't give a shit. <laughs> it's like, I don't give a shit that she said. Some, like I have different nights where like tonight is your play date night with me. And Thursday night is Charlie's and Friday night is Amber's and Tuesday night is Sadie's. I could go in on a Tuesday night and go to Sadie. So uh, do, do you want to do anything to see them? No, it goes back watching TV. Don't give a shit. No. Right. Thursday night. Is she the middle one? Yeah. So does yeah. So you, even though they're twins, you very much have like an eldest, a middle, and then the youngest. That's so funny. Ba- oh, sorry. No, I thought she said is she the little one? She's the baby. Like she's oh, okay. the baby so, of the sure, family, sure. but okay. like fifty minutes of being a baby. She just doesn't give a shit. She re- but genuinely is she's like me in that sense where it's like. I couldn't be bothered. Like, I just couldn't be bothered. Um, like, Mammy said to me the other day, I hope I'm staying with the conversation, but I, how much I don't give a shit. Because I own the house. I own the house, right? So she lives in I own the house. Um, I have stuff here in a will, and uh, I want to leave it to, you know, a few people that's in the house. And I said, okay, she'll tell me. No, it's in the will. I said, well, like, if you tell me that way, I can give it to the person so I don't throw it out. No, it's in the will. <laughs> I said, like, I don't even want anything. I couldn't give a shit in a sense of there's nothing here that I want. I'm not into that type of thing. I, I don't do the whole thing like that. I don't do this holding on to stuff. I, so it says there's no problem. I, I really can't see you fighting over like a bone china set. Like that doesn't seem like you have like a strong attachment to like the, no. the English rose pattern teacups no, that are somewhere. Like, oh, I couldn't care. I couldn't care. I said, Mammy, I don't want anything off you. So, like, whatever it is, I'll tell you. But Sadie's like that. It's like, I don't care. You know, Charlie on a Thursday evening is, I walk in and, like, he knows tomorrow is his night. I walked in last week, Daddy! <laughs> and don't get me He's wrong. He's excited I, for the time. I love it. And, Daddy, can we do this this evening? Can we do that this evening? And, yeah. You know what I mean? And um, and then and then Friday evening is Amber and you get to stay up a bit later with her and all that sort of stuff. And and, and you know something? I'm loving I'm working hard with Amber because she's coming over shell with me. Oh, good. Yeah, I said it to her. I says, look, it's a two way street. I'm not going to get it right. And please just come with me. And like, if I'm giving you a kiss, don't be pulling away or anything like that. <laughs> I know you're, you're like dad, I said. You are like dad. You're afraid of getting hurt so much that it's easier just not to be there. You're afraid that if I maybe look at you crooked, well, then your world will fall apart. Trust yeah. me, I said, we're going to fight. Trust yeah. me. We're so alike, we're going to fight. But I just want you to know I love you so much. I do love you equally to the kids, the other two. Um, so we're, we're gaining a little bit of ground. The skateboard was a good, it was a good kind of thing, an opening. And look, she's only eight. So I, I, you know what I mean? And you, you know, you have life. Um, I love the skateboard idea, though, because you're meeting her halfway there. Because you said you don't like the outdoors. No. But you're doing something that's outdoors because you want to connect with her. So it's kind mm-hmm. of, again, like, 
meeting halfway in something. So she wants to be outside kicking a ball. You would probably rather be inside, but like, it's not a ball, but it's something that you still like. So you're still meeting her halfway and you're showing up. And I think sometimes it's about getting creative with it is what I'm realizing that it, it can't always be exactly what someone wants or what you think would be ideal, but it's like, Oh, like this is that person's way of, of showing you and like you being aware enough for that. And like, it's hard because she's eight. So hopefully like subconsciously she realizes it, but like, even as an adult, like it's very important to recognize those things. But I mean, when I say football, let me give you an example. I'll go for a walk. I'll go for a cycle with you. I'll climb a fucking mountain. We don't have many in Ireland, but I will. I'll hill climb. I'll go to the woods. I hate sport. Hate. I didn't think you guys were allowed to hate soccer. I thought it was like in we're your blood, not, like soccer and rugby. Exactly. No, it's oh, we're not allowed to hate Gaelic football in Ireland because there's something wrong with you. Because it's Gaelic football. It's Gaelic football is basically soccer where you're allowed to hold the ball. You're so like Aussie rules football? It's uh, somewhat like that, yeah. Yeah, and Ireland actually play Australian once a year where they try and gel their two sports together. Oh, I'm going to have to look this up on YouTube. That sounds incredibly ridiculous. Yeah, like it is where the gel Aussie rules and Gaelic football together to make some sort of hybrid Aussie. Okay. And every year, and I think Ireland, if I know it, win more times. Um, it's a rough enough game. Like um, you'd want to look up Gaelic football in the 1970s where in Ireland where, you know, your man, the fella with the ball wasn't happy. So he literally turns around and boxes the head of the other fella. And the, uh, the referee is like, just shake hands and get on with the game. <laughs> and that's it. And it's, it's, and if you don't love that in Ireland, there's something wrong with you. And I hate it. And the first day I met my father-in-law, he said to me, well, were you watching the match? What match? The Gaelic match. And I, this is a fact. I went, oh shit, I'm only going out with him a couple of months. If I say I like football and we work out, this is going to be a nightmare for me because then I have to <laughs> lie. This is exactly what was in my head in like 2001. I was just going, yeah, if, if, if I lie now and this works out, I have to lie for the rest of my life and it's going to be a nightmare. That's like a whole other podcast episode is just Absolutely. the importance of honesty because then you're not maintaining a lie. Yeah, and, and I just went, uh, no, I don't like Gaelic football. And he goes, what? This fella's the head. He's a chairman of a Gaelic football team. Oh, <laughs> right now in Ireland, Gaelic. This in Ireland, it's like there's no. It's not professional. They do the same as professionals, but there's no money. Right? Um, it's just for the love of the game. This is why it's a big fucking deal in Ireland. Um, I just I don't like I don't like Gaelic football. Oh, do you like hurling? Which is another Irish. It's like hurling. Yeah, hurling is where you have a stick. And you, you hit a ball. It's the fastest field game on the planet. Hurling. Where so you it's lit- not even like cricket. It's not different than cricket. cricket. Okay. It's like on a massive football pitch where you have a very hard ball, like a tennis ball, but it's rock hard. And you are beating that up the field. <laughs> like they don't, some of them don't even wear helmets. Like I do look at American football and everything else and they're padded up to the last. And the Irish have nothing on them. You know, you get a you get a you get a schlitter. It's called the ball. 
you're going to schlitter into the side of the face. It could break your jaw. <laughs> that type of thing. Um, it's the madness of the Irish. But I don't like hurling either. Um, and I said, no, do you know what? I don't like any sport. And he goes, okay, we'll go far. You know? Um, I remember years ago. I'll tell you this. You won't relate, but I'll tell you. Where we live is about 50 feet, and we live down a bit of a hill, and we can see out into our in-laws, right? My father-in-law was walking down years ago. I had the twins in my arms, two babies at the time, literally holding the two of them in my arms. And he came down, and he walked into me on a Monday, and he goes, oh, that's them out. That's them finished. I hadn't a clue what he was on about. That's them finished. And I went, who? And he goes, Gary Castle, the football team that he was chairman over. Oh, that's them finished. They lost. And if you lose in Gaelic, you're out. That's it. Mm. Until a couple of months. Right? Oh, that's them. This is in around Christmas. He goes, that's them finished now until maybe March. And I went, all right. Yeah. Yeah. And then he looked at me and he pinched his nose and he goes, I forgot you don't like sport. And he walked out. And as he was walking up the hill, I could see him shaking his head. Right. And I looked at him and I went, Oh, I'd hate to be you at this stage because he must have been in pain. But I don't care that your football team has lost. What's that got to do with me? I'm trying to mind the twins. And I picked up that he was trying to, I don't know, share the pain of, of, of grown men kicking a fucking ball around a field in the hope of hitting it into a rectangle. Like, really? <laughs> I'm trying to mind twins. <laughs> See, so I, I'm the opposite. Like I said, I'm a huge like sports fan. So for me, I'm that person that when my NFL team, like my American football, I am devastated. Like people at work, they just, they just kind of naturally avoid me on days Mm. where my team may have lost. They're just like, no, Maggie, just give her a moment. Like the Steelers lost, like just tread lightly around Mm. her today, Mm. especially if she lost to like the Patriots. Like, it's just like a. It's a and, thing. Yeah, you see, and don't get me wrong. I mean, I have a friend in years ago like that. We'd be, he, we'd be out and I would deliberately stand under a television to ma- or sit under a television to make sure I wasn't taking a seat where you could watch the match. Yeah, because so, you be, didn't care. I was under the TV in the bar or pub, is, you know. And my friend had said to me, what is wrong with you? Like, how could you not love this soccer? And again, I can't understand grown men chasing a ball around the field in the hope to hit it into a rectangle. I just can't get me. And then what I can't understand, like someone's to lose. Someone has to lose. I don't like the idea of that. Interesting. For someone who says that they're very black, I just find that fascinating because like you say, like you see the world in black and white. So for me, someone wins, someone loses. Like in my mind, that would be like a very like Sean thing. So I, no, I love that. Like no. you don't want anyone to lose. That's yeah. I don't like the idea. I mean, and again, as I said to you earlier on in an argument, a heavy argument, I'll win. Right. Mm-hmm. Hands down. It's never happened that I've lost. In a, I don't like that. I do not I, like the unfairness of it. I don't like it. With sport, I never like sport. Someone always has to lose. Somebody. Like, that's sport. It's like, I'm bigger than you. Ah, ha, ha. I'll win. <laughs> I just don't fucking like the idea of it. And I never could understand sport in my mind in that sense where it was like, because I watch people 
And they're devastated when they lose. And I think they're going, Jesus Christ, do people not have enough trouble in their life? I've seen mates of mine throwing remote controls at televisions when their team lost. I'm like, really? Is this like, this is... you attacked. This person doesn't even fucking know you and you're literally breaking your, your TV because this person yeah. has missed a goal or something. And I'd be looking at this going, I've way too much in my life to even... I, I, I think if I actually was into sports, I'd be a psychopath. <laughs> I just don't think I'd be able to manage it. I'd be like, I'm going to kill someone. <laughs> like, <coughs> my team has lost. I'm going to kill someone. Um, yeah. So like, and I've been to sporting events. I was, I, this is like, it's comical for me. It's probably not comical for people listening. But I went over, like, my mates are into Liverpool Football Club in England. And oh, we, we flew over to Liverpool a couple of years ago. And I was so bored watching the match, I nearly fell asleep. And I was told if I fell asleep, I'd be killed by the fans. Because yeah. that's an yeah. insult. Um, I've been to other football, like, I've been to where the Gary Castle, our, not our team, but what I married into. And they were, like, in the All-Ireland final. That's it. You can't get any further. And... When, when I was up at the match, and do you know the way advertisement at the side of the football pitches? Yeah, I'm the sure. boards. Yeah, the boards. So I was like looking at the, I was there, because I love spraying cars and I love color. I was like, oh, that red is a different tone than that red. And the blue hue in that is a different blue in that hue there. And I was just looking at the colors of the, foot, of the boards that people were advertising. <laughs> and my father-in-law turned around and he goes, are you getting anything? As in, do you feel anything? And then I came back to reality of where we were, which was the football match. And I went, um, uh, uh, no, no. And he goes, ah, and he turned <laughs> around and he, and the disappointment in his face, like my father-in-law loves when, when there's a family function because my, Emma married me. And then all of her cousins are married to normal people. They're into Gaelic football. They're normal people. And my father-in-law loves it because he gets to talk about the thing he loves that he's never been able to talk about with me. Yeah. Because he can't, like, he can't talk to me about it because he can clearly see that I have no interests. And I don't go, all right, yeah. Mm -hmm. I'm not, I, I, I really couldn't give a fuck about you talking about sport. Like, really? Now, I'll be honest. If I'm going out with my mates, I will read the back pages and just have a little bit. So when they're talking about, you know, Ronaldo or some human being being sold for 80 fucking nine million. It's what? not. I love using the word sold because that's actually what it's like in my mind. But it's technically yeah. traded. But really, it's it's kind of disturbing when you think yeah. about it, yeah. like that. We're just like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm there going, really, like, you know. There's places in Africa where that would make a world of a difference in schooling and education and food, healthcare water and, quality. Yeah, and, every, and I'm there really like, this is the level we're at as a species. <laughs> it's like, you're talking to me about a, a one man who has the potential skill and he sold for 89 or whatever million. I can't remember. And, and then you, you're thinking straight away about, say, Africa or a country that's underdeveloped and how much that would help them. But you see, and yeah, and I hate sport even more then when I think about all of that, like going, really? 
you're getting excited about this shit and like you know yeah i could i i yeah i i i hope to never get sport i hope to never get it i hope and don't get me wrong like my son asked me a few weeks ago daddy will you come up and watch me on sunday absolutely you know and even i know this like i brought we had a student here years ago and uh, he was playing i brought him i brought him to a soccer match and he scored a goal right and he turned to look at me and i knew to wave my hand up in the air i know that's a movement right yay and i fisted the air right so he he scored a goal this is a fact scored a goal and he looked at me and i knew to punch the air but i didn't care that was a lie but, but it I mattered knew, to him. I knew it that mattered to him, yes. and he didn't. Yes, I knew that's the movement. In other words, yay! Didn't give a shit. I didn't care. Um, <clears throat> Emma said to me, "When your own kids are doing it, you will love it." I don't care. Even when my kids are listening, I do not care about sport. If, but he loved you guys enough to pretend later on. Just know that he loved you enough. I love to you pretend. enough to go up and watch it. I love you enough to, <laughs> to be there. I love you enough to partake in all of that. Yeah, but I, I just don't get it. I, 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 and I, I'm very grateful I don't get sport. I actually like that I don't get it. <laughs> and I know I am not in, like, I, like billions of people love sport. Billions. It's not like only a few billions. Especially, yeah. um, but I, I, yeah, I have enough going on. I don't, I don't have time for following multi-millionaire people going around hitting anything. Thankfully, in Ireland, like in Ireland, I suppose that's the one blessing of Ireland. All of our Gaelic players don't get paid, not a penny. Like literally, really? nothing, nothing. Like they the do it for the pride and the honor. That's oh, why it's a that huge out. thing. And I mean, you're talking as if you put a Gaelic player, the level of training they go under is equivalent to professionalism. Like it's literally the same thing. No money. <clears throat> Interesting. I'm going to look this up later. Yeah, no money. And you'd have people, you would have people like traveling 80 miles to come down and train and go back up to their job. No problem. That's fascinating. Yeah, they'd finish their job at five o'clock in Dublin, travel 80 miles, come down to Athlone, train for two and a half hours and go back up to Dublin. And <laughs> that's it. It's all for the love of the game. And fair play to them. They put in a lot of hard work. You know, what? I can appreciate that. That's 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 a, a lot of discipline. Absolutely. And I mean, it's all free. And just for self-improvement. I love, I actually really like that. You get, we have in Ireland a, a stadium, 82 and a half thousand people. Crow Park, it's called. Okay. Right? Crow Park. It's a massive stadium. And the, when you go to play in that, you don't get paid. Like it's literally, there's no money. You get your expenses at that level if you have yeah. to. Play, but there's no, you wouldn't be getting. You're not getting a salary. You wouldn't get a hundred euros or you wouldn't get a penny, no. There is no payment. It's for the love of the game, which is why in Ireland, if you don't love Gaelic, because now you see the amount of effort that's put in. So it, it's not about like not being part of the culture. It's almost like a respect thing. Like absolutely, it, it it's these people dedicate so much of this time to something yes. that's very culturally significant. 
So it's not about that so much. It's about the cultural significance of the sport that's very particular to your country. I understand it a bit more now. Yeah. I understand it a bit more. Yeah. A lot of dedication, a lot like my father in law be up there on, on a Tuesday evening making soup and sandwiches for the people that train. And that's what they do. Like it's soup and sandwiches, and they just do all this thing for the people who train. It's just such a massive community. Like you want to see the amount of work even on a Sunday that all these people give up their free time to train children how to play. It's just massive community. It's I love that actually. Like that's a part, like I know that you don't love it, but I actually really love that whole community aspect that you I love you the just community. said. It, it's strictly for the sport or it's strictly for the community and just this is like a heritage thing. Absolutely. Like my kids will be brought up, they'll see this. My brother-in-law, who's 36 years of age, still plays. Yeah. From the age of four. I mean, you're in this community all through your life. It's a, I love that. I love the community aspect. I love that. The sport, I hate. But the community so, is fantastic. So for here in North America, for our like football, mm. we do something called tailgating which is you're in, you're in the parking lot of the, sta- the stadium and surrounding areas. And mm. it's just people like making food, playing games, all of that, like listening to music and talking. So like, you'd probably love that aspect. But the minute it went to like going into the stadium, you'd be like, yeah, no, bye guys. I'm going uh, <laughs> to go have a nap. We'll yeah. meet at the pub after, whatever. But I think the community thing is really like beautiful. I like that a lot. Cause I think community, I have learned in my elder years at 32, community is very important actually like to have kind of some kind of foundation Mm. whether that be a community through sport like you're saying or people that are religious like the community that you can find through uh the church and faith like having some kind of community there to at least give you a foundation in morals and values i think is great and then you can kind of adapt accordingly to it and again, and in your own flavor, if you yeah, will. Yeah, we are, uh, as you said earlier on, we, we are a, a species who love love all of this type of thing, community and social. We require it. It's not even that we love it. We actually require it. And again, I'm the type of person, I always say crocodile or great white shark. I'm like a great white shark where I kind of am okay on my own. I'm okay I'll swim around, I'll meet another great white, we'll have a chat, and then I'll fuck off. Um, but I am, whether that's wrong or right, I don't know. But I'm, I, I think the bottom thing, the bottom line in life is happiness. Mm-hmm. I'm extremely happy as a person. And it's not a false happiness where I come away and then at night I'm ruminating over something mental, like, you know, I don't know. Thankfully, I don't know at this stage, but no, I, I love my head actually at this stage because my head is as critical as it was 20 years ago. Right. I just love it to bits. It's like one of my best friends now. It's, I do. I do have a girl on and Lucy and she has uh, schizophrenia. And I do say to her, I'm very much like you. I know I'm not schizophrenic, but the amount that's going on up there is massive. Like, <clears throat> I love it. I love that aspect of my brain when it's like, just you were a bit of a cunt yesterday. I'm like, was I? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then we'd figure it out. And then we'd sit down and have a cup of tea imaginary together. And I'd be like hitting him a shoulder punch going, I love you, you fucking bastard. And 
that's how friendly I am with myself. But deep down, I'm massively happy at this stage. It, it's interesting that you say that because like you were talking about masking and again, I'm massively, oh God, ew, that's dog drool. Ew. Um, I think that you can tell when people are genuinely happy versus if they're like putting on a mask and you hundred percent come off as a genuinely happy person. And I think that goes back to what we were saying at the beginning of the episode or like recording this, that there comes a point when you have that kind of like acceptance about yourself where you're just happy consistently because you're not trying to like be something that you're not, and you're not always going to be thrilled about yourself like all the time. But if you generally, genuinely, pardon me, accept yourself like there's a certain amount of like happiness that comes out and it comes out in like every different way that you carry yourself and accepting your flaws I think is a huge part of that or like accepting your your quirks or your divergencies or the fact that you're you're a little mad as you as your Mm. as your mom would say do you believe when you say a little mad I was in work one day and one of the lads called me half mad right he says uh you know you're fucking half mad I says what did you say? And he looked at me and he goes, I said, you're half mad. Don't ever call me half mad again. I'm fully mad. I'm not like you. I wouldn't insult myself by saying I'm like you. I'm fully mad. You're not even near my gang. And he just looked at me and I, I literally was like, I am not like you, which I'm not. Um, but I wouldn't insult myself to say I was half mad because that's like, I then I'm like them and I'm not. I wouldn't say it's insulting yourself. It's more like you're not lying to yourself or you're not feeling like you need to, or that because you're not, that it's a bad thing. Oh. I wouldn't say it's like insulting because I'm sure those people are great people. So like when you say insulting, it's as if they're like <clears throat> less than you, if you will. But I was, I was just shutting them down. In other words, I was completely accepting of the fact that I know who I am. I'm not even accepting that I would somewhat be like you. Because I wouldn't turn around to someone and say, there's something wrong with you. I find that comical about the neurotypicals who think they can say it to us going, you know, you're this. And now I'm going, yeah, and more. What next? What will we do now? Like, I don't. When I say I don't care. Thankfully, I'm gone to a stage where I'm literally it still hurts because mm-hmm. I'm human, thankfully. Mm-hmm. Um, but like you're talking seconds and I'm back to my life and yeah. I'm there and I love that. It's like, oh, and then I'm, what's that got to do with my life? Nothing. I look at it that way. And I also look at it from the perspective that like they are either not accepting that there's something with them as well, because everyone has stuff going on. No one is. Mm-hmm perfect if that makes any sense I look at it from the perspective that like for whatever reason that person lacks a certain amount of compassion to even try and understand other people's experiences and maybe that's who they are as a person and that's where it's at but again I look at it as like yeah it might hurt but again I love that I am bigger I love that I am a little larger a little bit more extra and sometimes I almost feel bad for people that feel that they need to like put people who have mental illnesses or whatever down for whatever reason because perhaps they feel that they can't hold the same kind of space at least like when it comes to me 
and like how I can present in various different ways. And then if I can like change someone's opinions on what something might mean, like let's, let's try that too. But yeah, like I don't even hold the space for the insults anymore. No, at all. I, I don't, I don't, I don't because if someone says to me, you're this, you're that. And I can say with honesty, I am. Why would I find that insulting? Like, I'm one of the meanest people you'll ever find. I'm unnaturally mean, right? <clears throat> yeah, I love it. I'll survive during hard times. I know how to make money work for me. Yeah. Yeah. And some people like to say I'm frugal. I like to say, no, I mean, like, I will make my money work <coughs> so hard once I earn it. It's like, I worked hard to get you. Now you work hard for me. Yeah. I have no problem with that. If someone says to me, I, I, I'm first to admit I'm highly violent. I actually became less violent when I admitted I was highly violent. <laughs> That's the thing, though. It's like radical acceptance. Uh, like uh, I became less. No, I'm still emotional. Don't get me wrong. Mm. But I became more in control of my emotions mm. when I allowed them to happen instead of trying to contain them to the point that like it was like um, a kettle mm. when it starts yelling at you or like a pot boiling over. Like I am far more dangerous if you will now that i'm more in control of my emotions because i can i can control them like i'm likely at this point in better control of my emotions than a lot of neurotypical yeah i understand because because i put so much work into it like um you know when the hulk is like that's my secret i'm always angry Mm. and like Mm. that's how he controls it yes for you and your your anger or your violence there you go for me and my like, yeah, no, I'm always this, but I accept that I'm always this. And that's what makes the big difference. Like that is what makes me different from you as a person. Yeah. Who, you know what I mean? I, I, in my head, like when I have to, I'm calling myself, I'm calling my ego now, Porek. That's the new one for me. So I'm calling myself Porek, the part of my mind that wants to kill no, I do this too. I have, I have a part of my mind. I call her Mel. I call her Melanie. Yeah. And that's like the BP, like, again, it's just whatever works. It's not mad. I do it. Or we're, we're just mad together. Like I, I, I have a, I have this imagination in my mind where it's, it's a dog house, right? Yeah. I just open the door and you know, when a dog comes out in the morning and it's stretching itself and it's just given the full stretch, I just open the door and go, listen, off you go and come back in a few minutes when you've done what you needed to do. And then, yeah, or it goes back into the kennel when I want them to go back in. And people are like, fuck, 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 fuck. I don't care. As I say, even as I says to my mother, the only problem you have with me is I'm a nightmare. I know it. I'm not like going, well, uh, uh, I'm going. The only problem is I'm a nightmare when I kick off. Mm-hmm. That's the problem people have with me it's it's like i was asked before just could you not just like not be a nightmare no like i'm it's like asking america could you not just not have your nukes no <laughs> like i'm not gonna use them i'm not gonna threaten you with them i'm not gonna be saying, oh well i mean i'm gonna i've all this i don't do it but they're there if it gets to a certain stage, I'll just open the kennel, 
Oracle stretch comes out, does what it needs to do, and fucks back in. No. I'd, why do I have it? What's the point in having it if you're not? No, if I use it every week. That's a problem. That's a massive, that's not a problem. That's a massive problem. That's like, you are now officially a nightmare of a human being. If I was doing it every week, that's not control. Control is literally nuclear warheads where you're going, look, I have this, you know, I have stop. That's all there is to it. Or I'm going to fucking start this. Yeah, I think that's appropriate if you have that. Because again, for me to bring that type of level of myself out, and I'm going to be honest when I think about this, you're talking maybe once, twice a year. Mm -hmm. That type of thing where like you're going, ah, it's getting a bit much now. (laughs) I think that that's a normal level though. Like I think if you were to put it on a spectrum, that's more of like a, hate tossing this word out so much that's like more of like a neurotypical point Mm. like i think that's normal for people to have that level of anger violence like to get to that point i think that's that's a normal amount so the fact that like that's not something that's bad at all you know what i mean like that seems like a completely appropriate reaction at that point absolutely i i have zero i have zero problem with the level i can get to i know when it's going to happen You've, you've kind of, I won't say brought me because at the end of the day, I'm allowing it. Yeah. But you're kind of getting to a stage where I need to fucking reset you. Hmm. You know, and, you know, in Ireland, we say you get a box in the back of the head as a reset. <laughs> you know, when your parent hits you a box in the back of the head. He probably yeah. don't. Uh, you get reset. Now, I don't hit in a sense. I don't. um I wouldn't allow myself to get to that level. I wouldn't allow myself to get to a level of hitting because you're fucking gone then. If I start hitting you, you're gone. Um, so I, was, I really don't allow that. I was talking to my friend um, about this on a podcast that they have about um, violence and whether there's physical violence then um, violence through words. And I personally prescribe to the fact that violence through words can actually sting a lot longer than mm. the impact a punch can have like that that can that can sit with you that can resonate <clears throat> with you that years you can remember that like that kid that bullied you and you in in school like yeah. that will sit with you that will fester whereas like a punch like yeah, yeah you might have like a black eye for a little bit it'll eventually go away but but words ooh, words yeah, are dangerous yeah. i'm listening to a book at the moment um i'm gonna get i'm gonna actually get it because you're hitting the nail on the head. The book is uh, 10 Days to a Less Defiant Child, right? Oh, that sounds interesting. Yeah. <clears throat> I'm listening to this at the moment. And, and this, I don't know if he's a psychologist or whatever. Um, he's literally saying in it that on a scale, criticism is the worst effect on a person. Harsh words is next. And beatings less. In other words, criticism, hands down, fucks people up. Yep. Yeah. So beatings are less. Like they, so for everyone listening, if you want to beat your children. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm stopping you here. I'm stopping you here. We are not going Listen, there. I didn't get one fucking joke in with you so far. We're over two oh, hours. You know, no. I like to get jokes in. 
this is not just a mental health podcast. <laughs> I like to get a fucking joke in. It's hard to squeeze okay. in a joke with you, Maggie. I said to myself, when can I squeeze in a joke? <laughs> so for anyone that wants to kick the shit out of their kids, you've heard it here first. There's a 20% off if you do it with two. <laughs> Dying over here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 33%. It, it hurts my Canadian sensibilities. Yeah, yeah. You'd see, you'd see the kid, you'd see people going, so he said 20% off for two kids. <laughs> Go up and wake them up. <laughs> Ugh. Ugh. It's, it's interesting what it's interesting what you're saying though, um, from that book that mm. you're reading, because I think like particularly when people um, are going like going through mental health issues. Like we were just saying, like this is a mental health podcast. When I, in particular, I looked at like abuse or neglect, mm. I did not consider anything outside of like a physical or like physical impact to be abuse until my psychiatrist like gave me this, like, yeah, yeah no idea until she like started putting something in front of me. And I'm like, oh, oh, yeah. oh. Yeah. And then going through that and then sitting there and like really learning what levels there are of abuse and neglect, because I would have said no to a lot of things. Same with when it comes to like self-harm and stuff like that until it's like literally put in front of me in black and white, like written down. And I'm like, oh shit. Like, yeah. oh. Neglect. I mean, some of the, uh, like some of the stuff that I was neglected, uh, neglected as a child, I didn't even know until it was pointed out to me. Some of it, I'll give you an example, like going to a hospital, like at 14 on my own. You don't realize that when you're sent to hospital on a train and you have to walk to a hospital, not knowing where you have to go to get an operation on your hand. That's just like, I have kids now and I'm there going, if there were 30, yeah. I'd bring them. Um, <clears throat> that type of thing, I just was over, like, and I, I found this strange because even Emma, I had to go to a hospital. Even now, if I had to go to a hospital, she'd be like, so do you want anyone to go with you? And in my mind, it's completely back. I'm like, no, should I? I'm okay. Yeah, I'm being operated on. Like, and, and then people are like, that's not normal. Not and you have to exactly. sit there and be like, shit. I did. I can't relate to that. It's like, why would I need you to come to hospital? I'm getting the operation. Not realizing the level of empathy that's lacking. Cause like you're there going, yeah, that, that you were sent to a hospital. Yeah. I don't necessarily think it's a lack of empathy. It's just like, that's a conditioning thing. That's what's normal to you. Like where the empathy comes into is like, the not fully understanding that half the reason she's asking is because like, that's something that she wants to be there for you. You know what I mean? And that's not like a, mm. an, an awful lack of empathy. That's just that we didn't learn it in that case. So like, it can be frustrating for the other person. And this is what I've learned again for me. Like I don't necessarily ask for help because can't trust anyone. All of these things, which again, comes down to like an amount of mm. neglect, like hyper independence is a response to that. So if someone's offering to help me with something and I continually like shut them down, I'm like, nope, I got this. I don't need you. I am my own woman, like all of this. And then like, I see the look on people's faces. I'm like, oh, shit, like I'm not empathizing that this is their way of connecting with me, that they're like showing that they love me and care about me by helping me out with things. And you're just being a brat, Maggie. So please just 
as much as it makes you uncomfortable, smile and literally bear it because I care more about this person than I do about me having to prove that I don't require anyone. Like it's just, it's interesting how that presents itself, how trauma presents itself. Absolutely. And I'm extremely independent, which is not normal. Like extremely independent. Like I will not depend on you massively. And that's not like, I don't want that for my children because I I'm aware of how off that is like, and I said this before I was hardened by life, extremely hardened. I am an extremely hard human being. I, excuse me. I can be soft with my kids. I can hug them and kiss them. And I'm a very emotional person in that sense. But I can still, I could bring my dog over and, 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 you know, let it get killed or whatever they do in the vets, stuff like that. No problem. Do it, get it fucking done. And then I'll go and I'll cry and work on my own type of person. You know, I'll, but hard, hard, hard in that sense, but extremely independent, like fucking, I could manage our children. No problem on my own. If I'm left, no problem, zero problem. Nothing. Fuck. I brought her to that level as well. Going, no, you need to be able to manage it. If I fucking die or shit like this. No. And that's why I say it as well. Like I'm one way with people when I'm teaching them, if we're talking, you know, talking over the phone and they want to learn about BPD, come and fucking live with me. Extremely hard. Even my mother said it to me today, but you're a hard person, Sean. Like you're very, you would be very hard live with. No, I'm a very hard person. Hard to live with. I don't know. I don't live with me. Emma, excuse me. If you asked Emma, she'd say I'm a nightmare. Um, But she says it in a, in a, in a, in a warm tone so i know like because i did ask emma this this is the truth if you had to do it all again would you go like i said this for one day my brain horrock was going i wonder would she do it all again with you now that i am the way i am now you know yeah so i mean you know i am the way i am now i said do you know if you had to do it all again going through everything that you went through with me like you know, everything. Would you do it again? Yeah, 100%. Oh, I love that. Yeah, and she goes, would you? I says, no, you're a fucking nightmare. Get away from me. <laughs> she goes, what? <laughs> this is Run not and get out of arm's length. So, you know, what was it? A yeah, box yeah, up yeah, the yeah, head? Yeah. So your wife doesn't box you up the head? Get yeah, out of the way. You have to throw that one in like you do. And again, <clears throat> I do love that with me and Emma. Like, I love, what I love about me and Emma is Emma knows I help people, right? She knows it. The majority of them are women. Well, it's statistically, not, it's, that just makes sense. Yeah, it's not. Because like, of like how diagnosis works, right? Like it's, yeah. you're an anomaly mm. in the diagnosis. Yeah, yeah. And the majority of them are women. Like I was literally on the phone last night to a girl in, in um, England, chatting away. We're chatting about finances, which I love. So I think, you know, if, if you've done this and you try this with your money and try this, I think by April, or, or, you know, and then this and this, and I'm really, I'll tell you how You're mad. In it. Yeah, oh, I'm in it. I, I'll tell you how mad my head is. 
Excuse me. I was just about to sit down to watch the Matrix film last night, Resurrections, which I'm dying to watch. The new one? Oh, okay. Let me know when you watched it. No, I'm not going to tell you. I'm not. I'm just saying I thoroughly enjoyed it. Okay, don't forget. Yeah, because you 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 fucking you give a lot of spoilers <laughs> earlier on. I'm like, don't fucking tell me. Oh, I, uh, tell me to shut up if you haven't seen Spider Man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I did see I it. Did just... I seen it. That doesn't mean anyone listening hasn't. <laughs> you need uh, to add a disclaimer yeah, at the beginning of yeah, this episode. So a, well, I'm not going to do it. Oh, um, that's why I just should, should, yeah. So I went down. This is a fact. Set. Because I have numbers in my head and I'm trying to help her with her finances at the moment, right? I literally sat down and I, I know this to be true. I was one minute into Matrix Resurrections where I think there's a police car, right? And it's pulling up to a building. Spoiler. Uh, well, it's just, a, that's all I'm going to say, right? That's all there is to it. It's pulling up to a building, a police car. And my brain meant, show... Uh, you got the numbers wrong there the other day when you were giving the numbers out to uh, Naya, is it? Uh, you got that wrong. You want to fucking sort that out and get it sorted. <laughs> I started, oh, I'm going to kill you. I want to watch the film. I'm going to have to get the kids to bed. This is my time. This is my time. Yeah, well, you know, you need to get these numbers right now. And uh, if you don't get them right, I'm going to wreck your fucking head. I was like, I can't yeah, believe the it. The urgency. Okay. I get it. I can't believe it. I, you're unreal. I mean, literally, I wanted to watch this film for fucking months. I'm after buying it. I'm sitting down. Kids are in bed. Emma's doing yoga. Can we not do this another night? For to do it now. Bastard. Have you seen Bastard. Have you seen Venom? Yes. So you know, the, like Eddie's struggle yeah. with Venom. Like yeah. that's sometimes yeah. In, yeah. in a much less intense way, but that's sometimes what I go with. Like feel like I'm going through when that's happening and like that intense like um like compulsion that like mm-hmm. I cannot handle this until like I address like yeah what is so it's like shit I want to enjoy this so I just need to spend 15 minutes addressing this issue so then whatever the voice is can just kind of like shut up for a little bit Absolutely. and then we can like get back to our, our day to day. Well I I I I didn't get to watch Matrix last night and this is this is what I'm on about the relationship myself and Emma has. So like I'm literally on the phone chatting to Naya about finances. Emma's walking in. She walks into the sitting room. She's gone into the, where I am now in the podcast room because there's a, a gym underneath her, and uh, she's leaving all of her yoga equipment back into the gym. And I'm just chatting away and going, yeah, number. And I'm zoned in. I mean, I'm completely zoned into the numbers. Yeah, so I think if you do this now, this will work, and this and this, this and this. And then Emma goes, "Who are you on the phone to?" Uh, a girl in England, right? That's it. A girl in England. Yeah, okay. So we hang up. It's too late to watch the film. Way too late. It's like ten minutes before I have to go to bed. I go upstairs to Emma. She's brushing her teeth. I go, um, "Did you eat? Are you hungry? Do you want me to make something for you?" No, no, you're okay. Um, <clears throat> I go downstairs, she goes down, do you want a cup of tea? Uh, I might get a cup of tea, yeah, yeah. I'm making the cup of tea, drinking the cup of tea. And I says, how was your yoga? Did you have a good time? You know, whatever. She goes, yeah. And I says, look, I'm going to go to bed. And she goes, Grant, not a word about who I was chatting to. <laughs> it's like, and I love that. If, that. if I was in a relationship with somebody else, I'd be murdered. How long were you chatting to them for? Uh, about three hours. Why are you doing chatting for three hours? 
We're trying to sort life out. You know what I mean? And I, I, I love the fact that our relationship is like that in a sense of it's just complete trust. It's like, yeah, it doesn't even give a shit who I'm talking to. Like, it's not like so. And I mean, as I was saying to Naya today, I was chatting to her like, if Emma says to me, can I have your phone? Open it up. Give me your even if she wanted my code, there's a code on it. But if she wanted it, it's because I don't want anyone else opening my yeah. phone. But I mean, like I've said this time years ago. If at any stage, randomly, you go, show me your phone, I'll open it. She's never once asked me. Because you guys talk about, like, trust. Like, a complete Not trust once. Time. Like, if she said to me tomorrow, give us your phone, I'll give it to her. Because at the end of the day, I'm talking to people. And that's what I do. I love it. It's just but part of your personality. What's that? It's part of who you are. Like, it's part of your personality. Like, uh, like I love it. I Like, even this, I love it. I love and, and even sometimes I'm awkward. Some, some people would email me, even you or anyone. And I'm as awkward as it gets because I am not good with that stuff. Like someone emailed me today. Hi, would you like to do this with your podcast and come to us with your podcast? I have no idea what they're on about. <laughs> like <clears throat> join up for free and link this and that, right? I'm like... No yeah, and I'm, I'm there going, I just see she goes, Hi, I contacted you the other day. I don't know if you got the email. And I had to write back on, listen, I got your email. Thanks very much. I've no idea what you're on about. Yeah. <clears throat> no idea. I don't. I haven't a clue. So when people even email me or stuff like that, I prefer this because I'm able to talk. Intelligence wise, not so great. I didn't even know what a comma. Is it a comma? It is a comma. There's a comma. There's a semicolon. It's the, a colon. It's the full stop. That a period. I think someone called it uh, a period or something. A full stop. Yeah. Right. I had no clue what that was. Yeah. I had no clue. No idea. My level of intelligence when it comes to academics, I'm like a donkey staring at thunder. Oh my god. You know, that's what I'm like. I've no problem saying that because that's the truth. Academically, I'm like a donkey staring at thunder. It's like. I have no clue what it is. <laughs> um, talking, I'm able to do it. Figuring numbers out, legendary. Making money work hard, brilliant. Uh, academics, useless. So. Not so much. Um, it's interesting how to... that goes. I'm, I'm going to say I need a hard stop here at 5.30 because I have a dinner plans <clears throat> at 7. I, I, need, I need a hard stop. In, uh, uh, yeah, yeah, good, good, good. So we're going to call it because it's 20, 22 minutes past nine here. And uh, yeah, I, I, I want to I wanna go in and see how Emma is and then go to bed before 10. So how will we wrap up this podcast? Listen, how are you enjoying your podcast? I'm loving it. Like I said, hmm. um, I just had that little break between what i'm going to call season one and season two um but i'm really loving it yeah um i love it it's the connection and it's teaching me how to be vulnerable which i have never been good at doing so the anonymity at first gave me a chance to be vulnerable um and it's actually allowing me to bring that into my my um my day-to-day relationships if that makes sense, the people that interact with me in person day to day. And I found that to be truly, truly valuable. Um, it's challenging me in a lot of ways that way as well. Um, and because 
not that I think I require acceptance, but because it's well received by other people, it's made me a little bit braver to allow myself to be vulnerable about either my day-to-day struggles about my emotions, or even, like I said, with that, uh, Bell Let's Talk thing to be brave enough to actually, um, talk about what I struggle with and having a bit of a voice has been really empowering to try and show people that like, if you're, if you guys are listening out here on Sean's podcast, like the, you probably know, like the stigma with BPD is fucking atrocious. So to be able to put a face out there, um, Mm. or even a voice that like, you can be diagnosed and like, it feels like the world's ending, but like you can move past it. Like it is not like a, it's not something awful. Like I had a listener who I think she's 22 and she said that like, she's been struggling so much that, or maybe she's 18 point being like, she had the plan that like, she was going to give herself three years and then she was going to like commit suicide because she felt like she didn't have hope. And Mm. through listening to the episodes, and this is where like that imposter thing comes from that I was talking about earlier. She's like, through listening to your podcast, like it's given me hope that I can get past this and I no longer have that plan. Like, Uh, holy holy shit. Like, yeah. Yeah. That's, uh, yeah. And and that is true. It's no more than you. I'm not going to fucking bring mine into it, but it does have that level of impact where it touches people and it it has the potential to change. And you're hitting the nail on the head. It's being vulnerable. It is literally, it's going, you, you know, there was a stage where I was going, do you know what? Yeah, I'm going to talk about it. And, I, and I've talked about quite a lot of dark stuff in my podcast. And yeah, I mean, you know, like at the end of the day, it's in our heads. Talk about it. Like, I'm literally, you're talking about, we talk about ourselves in the third person all the time. I love that. I, <clears throat> my analogy of the dog coming out, and that's my fucking altered ego. All the stuff I talked about in a podcast about throwing my daughter into a fire. I mean, the intrusive thoughts I got with that one were mental years ago. <clears throat> oh, they're it's, gone. It's actually interesting. Now that I know that you do this too, there's been an episode I've wanted to do where it's like a day in the life of my thought process Mm. where it's literally like what I might be saying out loud, but everything that I think about leading up to that, it's like what actually goes through my head? Because like I said, I didn't think other people, like, I know that like my mom, they, they can't relate to that, Mm. but like hearing that somebody else does that (laughs) to like get back to where they need to go is completely validating. that like other like you know what I mean and I think that's where podcasts whether it be like yours because it's incredible or BPD tea like I love BPD and me like there's so many rows like again I like symptoms kind of thing like there's so many resources out there to validate what you're going through to help you get past it or to challenge you like every different podcast has Mm. a different purpose in my opinion um of like what they can bring to you and that's like the great thing about listening to a bunch of them like not just prescribing to one is like looking at the totality of the experience like you can take a lot out of it Mm. um it's just like you don't feel alone because i felt so alone for so long Mm. and we are all different like we all have their different styles Uh, huh it's a different flavors exactly we are we're all different in our own way and i love that as well because Again, we're not cookie cutters. We are different. I have a different way of looking at the world. 
you have a different way of looking at the world. And I love that we don't look at the world in the same way because we're not, we're not like that's that. important is that like, I think if people get into it, that the only way to move past um, being like in the throes of the disorder, like I don't, I know you say that you've um, recovered, like I don't use recovered, I use manage. Mm-hmm. And that's like my own accountability to like stay on top of things so that I don't mm-hmm. think that like I'm all good. And I let myself go because I am that person. I'm like, oh, I'm good. I don't have to work. No, like I call it managing. Um, is that what works for me and has worked for me might not work for someone who's listening, but listening to your story might resonate more with them. And that's why I think it's important to kind of like put that out there. But I've also had people say that they've taken more away from what they've heard in, whether it be my podcast, your podcast, Roses, like Mm. more from that than they have with a therapist. And that blows my mind. And again, I think it's part of that like lived experience that we've talked about. Maggie, I'm conscious of time, so I'm going to give you this, not give you this. Tell people how to contact your podcast. Oh, God, I hate this so much. I know. So, I don't um, <laughs> so I'll send it to Sean so he can add it in the show notes. Um, I can be found at Borderline and Back. Um, I'm on Anchor. I'm on iTunes or Apple Podcasts. I'm on Spotify. Um, you can email me at um, borderlineandback at gmail.com. I'm very responsive there. I do use the anchor platform. So if you want to send me a voice memo, please shoot me a voice memo. I love when I get those and I do voice memo everyone back as I can. And I'm on Instagram, um, borderline and back there. That's not really something that I'm hugely active on. Like I'm, I'm bigger with the whole podcast and connecting that way, but those are the main ways to reach me. Um, and yeah, definitely, definitely like if you need someone to talk to, I'm here. Great, great. I'm absolutely here. And yeah, season two will be coming out and Sean will be on mine. I'm going to hold him accountable to it. We're going to do a video podcast though. So people can actually like watch okay, our, okay. <laughs> watch our expressions. <laughs> yeah. You need that. Don't you? You need, I don't do the video anymore, but even though I have all this here, I don't do it anymore. I just but... found out that I can do video. So I think that would be really fun to do. Yeah. 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 I've, yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. Maggie, listen, I'm going to go and uh, it's been great. And we're going to do it again and again because we do have great crack when we come on. And I love throwing in this out. I love throwing in the odd joke because I know you said in the last podcast, some jokes go over your head. So I'm a little bit of a devil in a sense of going, my brain is going, throw in a joke somewhere and see will she catch you. <laughs> it just... Some things I do, some things I don't. I, know, like, I don't know. See... Like even without like an accent yeah. and like cultural yeah. barriers. So now throw them at me. We'll see if I get them. I'm, of course, telling people to hit two children and get 20% off is not <laughs> it's a type of joke that most in Ireland will get, but not anywhere else. Maggie, thanks very much for coming on. Thanks for having me. I'll see you later. Bye-bye. Yeah, bye. 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 Uh...